Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I wanna rock! Ernie and Sid in the morning. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. We are New York. Ernie and Sid in the morning. Hot Radio 77. WBC. <laughs> So there are uh, basically three things as we start this Thursday edition of uh, Bernie and Sid. There are basically uh, three things that um, have me excited this morning. I started yesterday in a bad mood because of that firefighter. But um, one thing Bernie does well, well, he does many things well. I take that back. One of the things Bernie does well is uh, talk me off a ledge. And we had a great segment. We took callers. And I will tell you that throughout the whole day, Instagram at Rosenberg.Sydney, Facebook, Sid Rosenberg, Twitter, which I'm back on now with a vengeance since Elon Musk bought it at Sid Rosenberg. I got beautiful messages all day from folks that uh, defended me. So uh, that was uh, put me in a bad mood. Bernie got me out of it. But today I'm in a very good mood. There are three things specifically that uh, put me in this great mood. One is the uh, the Tom Swazi frank Morano conversation, which we'll get to today. The second one is... I was the guy, yeah, I'm patting myself on the back, I was the guy that told both Rudy and Andrew Giuliani that Eric Adams called their tactics, Rudy's tactics, racist. In fact, both of them went, really? I said, oh, yeah, 1,000%. He wants a Dave and Dinkins days, not your days. Now, Rudy is so angry with Eric Adams and went on such a beautiful rant on his show yesterday that um, I almost had an orgasm. We're going to play that today. And the third thing, Bernie is the NFL Draft, which comes your way tonight. Jets and Giants. Waiting for this one. In fact, listening right now from Miami, Bernie, is a mutual friend of both of ours. Pick number 19 by the Giants back in the 1999 draft. Maybe the best draft choice ever out of Notre Dame. The great offensive lineman Luke Pettigrew listening right now from Miami. So those three things, Bernie, have me in a very good mood this morning. As they should, Sid Rosenberg. Yeah, the uh, the Swazi thing, I listened to that myself, uh, and also the Giuliani thing. Very, very interesting. Uh, though uh, Adams, uh, in the past, you know, I mean, I mean, that's one of the reasons why Greg Kelly hates his gut so much is because he, he ranted, uh, uh, you know, made similar sentiments. If, if in fact, called these people who had forced broken windows and uh, 
stop and frisk and all that. Called him Greg Kelly, Bill Bratton, Rudy Giuliani. Racist. Ray Kelly. Yeah, Ray Kelly. Ray Kelly, excuse right. me, in the past when, you know, when he was a cop, when he was charged his 100 Guardians thing. But uh, you informed him that he did it as mayor. And that was one toke over the line for uh, Rudy Giuliani, apparently. Uh, and by the way, listen, you know, there's something else about Rudy Giuliani I'll get to a little bit later as well. He, uh, he's, he went on a tear against Lee Zeldin. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But also the, uh, the football uh, draft tonight, uh, I, I, I heard you say you're excited about it. But you don't know who, who the Jets are. The, they could get screwed tonight, could they not? The Giants in particular? Well, yeah, they, they can. I mean, I know who they're kind of looking at only because, to be honest, Bernie, I watched about 10 minutes of the NFL Network. But even really, to be honest, it's because of Luke Lograno, who is uh, one of the valued members of the Bernie and Sid Show. He's into all this, him and Justin Ellick and Mike DeDino. He does his sports stuff at the station. But I speak every morning to these two, Luke and Justin. They're into it. And uh, so I know basically what positions they want to go after, the Jets, cornerback, maybe a wide receiver, the Giants, same thing, wide receiver, maybe a pass rusher. In fact, uh, Bernie, let's give uh, Luke Lograno his one minute of fame here. The Jets <laughs> and Giants each have two picks, Bernard, in the first ten. That is a big, big deal here in New York. The Jets picking at numbers four and ten. The Giants picking at numbers five and seven. So to Bernie's point, Luke Lograno, what do you expect will happen later on tonight? I really don't know what to expect. I've seen so much movement over the last three or four days. Tonight at, at four, I really think the Jets can go cornerback here. Uh, Sauce Gardner out of Cincinnati I think is going to be their first pick. And the Giants, I think they're going to go with offensive line at their first pick. It looks like Iki Iquanu at NC State might still be there. If not, Evan Neal out of Alabama. Just two monster-sized men. Their legs look like tree trunks. It's incredible. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you like that, Lou? There you go. Lou's derobing over here, so I should probably, uh, I probably wrap this up I almost quick. fell asleep for a second, but <laughs> now good. I'm getting aroused again. Oh, Jesus. All right. Uh, tree trunks, baby. We will, uh, so you're the type of guy, Luke, who would go to this event. They used to have it at Radio City Musical. I would never and attend. Where, I would, you would much rather attend? be with my uh, with my family and friends on my couch. Right, me too. You'd rather, I, be, I, a loser, I, you'd rather I, be a loser at home yeah, than in yeah. person. I mean, there we go. I, I've been to the NFL draft in New York City uh, as well, Bernard. I don't show up as a fan. Like, you get the Jet fans. There's like a thousand of them wearing their Jet shirts. Uh, Joe Beningo's worst day, yelling and screaming. They look ridiculous. Grown men, children, the whole thing. But I've gone to cover the event in New York. Tonight's event, by the way, is in Las Vegas, which I'd love to cover just to go to Vegas. Screw the draft. But that's uh, that's happening later on tonight. We do have some sound from a couple of guys from the NFL Network who really know what they're talking about, and we'll play that later on. Now, before we get to Swazi and Giuliani, Biden and Eric Adams and all that stuff, I do want to ask you about this, Bernard, and that is the gerrymandering win uh, for the GOP, I guess. That uh, came down yesterday. That's been a, um, a, con- a point of contention, very nervous, especially races like Maliotakis and Max Rose. Uh, Bernard, what's the latest with that? Well, the latest is, uh, of course, little history, the, the legislature, whoever the committee the legislature appointed, they actually did do some gerrymandering, and it was ridiculous. You had parts of Long Island matched up with parts of the Bronx and Westchester. So stupid, such a naked power grab. It was clearly illegal, uh, you know, against the Constitution, ran afoul of the Constitution, and everybody uh, in the know predicted that when it went to court, it would probably get thrown out, and it did. So they threw it out. And uh, so we go back to the original, uh, or either that or they're going to have to, to uh, pick new districts mm. and run it by the court again. 
But the bottom line is the primaries may be pushed back from June to August, and the Democrats did not get their way. So those are the two bottom lines right there. Uh, that naked power grab, that the bald face, uh, you know, anti-democratic uh, uh, ploy by the Democrats failed, and that's a good thing. The uh, way you went after Eric Adams yesterday, too, getting back to Eric for a second, uh, I send out one tweet a day now. I promised uh, the listening audience, uh, you, Bernard, everybody else, once it was official, Elon Musk owned Twitter, because I've really been off Twitter for the most part for the last six to nine months, because I hate the people on there. But uh, now I feel like I have to. I'm obligated to tweet at least once a day, and I've done that at least once a day. And uh, yesterday it was all about Eric Adams, so you remember... Two days ago, Eric Adams, during his uh, city of the state budget, whatever the hell it was, he state was. Of the city. Thank you. He was uh, speaking very highly of the cops, very highly of the cops. And then yesterday he came out and he said, Let me tell you something. I'm going to clean up the subways, which he hasn't done, not even close. And uh, then he started actually criticizing cops, which you just don't do. Do not give the left any more fodder, any more lies, any more nonsense. Cops are demonized enough. And he starts talking about the cops on their cell phones. If you see a cop on a cell phone, you take a picture and call us. Remember the old COVID days? If you see somebody without a mask, you take a picture and call us, those communist bastards. Eric Adams is doing the same exact thing, and he's going after cops. And it turns out, it turns out those phones given to the cops by the city. I know you saw the tweet by PBA President Patrick Lynch yesterday. If you did not see it, here's what Pat Lynch tweeted, and I quote, New York City police officers did not ask for NYPD-issued smartphones. We were ordered to carry and use them. We are now required to document every minute of our tour on these phones. Every form we are required to fill out and every alert we receive comes through the phone. If there's a problem with cops using the phone on duty, NYPD management should change the policies and go back to pen and paper. I even yelled at Lydia yesterday for repeating the same thing. She goes, I see cops on phones. It turns out these are city phones given to the cops. And I guarantee you, Bernie, Eric Adams didn't even know it. Right. Yeah, they use the, pho- they use the phones to, to, to fill out reports while they're standing there in their idle time. Let's say there's two cops. You have one on the phone. The other one's looking around. I mean, that's just... Just find a, a perfect behavior on the part of the police. But you said, don't give the left any fodder. And that is true. And I, I would add, don't give the thugs any fodder or reason. The bane of the existence of police these days, one of, the, one of them anyway, is, the, is thugs and uh, mutts and hooligans on the streets pointing cell phones at police and videotaping them. I mean, they hate that. that there's nothing worse than that. And he's, he, the, he, here you have the mayor of New York. You know, the uh, supposed leader of the police here urging the thugs and the mutts and the low lives and the degenerates on the streets to actually point a cell phone at the police and take pictures, which is what they absolutely cannot stand. And uh, it impedes their ability to do their jobs. And this guy's, I mean, just do it in private. Internal memos, go to these uh, police precincts yourself or. Uh, you know, call 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 a bunch of chiefs in, uh, precinct commanders in, and tell them don't do this in public. This was a terrible, awful, disgusting anti-police move. As we were getting back to, you know, respecting police, this guy is the leader of disrespecting the police. Really disgusting, sickening, 
that Eric Adams did. The more I thought about it yesterday, the more nauseated good. I got. Good. Uh, and I'm glad that everybody has come along now. I mean, Greg Kelly was there because of the way he treated his father. That was personal. But again, listening to Rudy Giuliani, we'll play it later in the show yesterday and other folks. It's nice to see that people are starting to wise up about Eric Adams. I knew it from the very, very beginning. He, he, he never fooled me throughout the whole campaign. He was the same guy then he is now, which is, let me try to make everybody happy. He's got no backbone. He has, doesn't really have any, any conviction when it comes to anything. He just wants to be governor or president, and that's it. Yeah, he's got nothing. He Really, he has nothing. He was a failed cop, 30 years as a cop. And uh, I, I think he had, what, seven arrests? In 22 in, in years, yeah. I, and I, and you know, actually, I don't even know. It's something like that. It's a minimal amount of arrests. could be seven. It could be 27, whatever it was. It amounted to nothing, a big zero. He didn't solve any big cases. He wasn't like, uh, you know, Bo Deedle, a hero cop. No. Out there, uh, no. you know, solving in spectacular fashion, uh, you know, cases, whatever. Nothing. Right. He did he, squat. He, like Rudy said yesterday, no shootouts, wasn't there to defend his partner. All he exactly. did, basically, folks, if you don't know, for all you guys that go, wait a second, he was a cop. All he did, basically, as a cop was bitch and complain. That's all he did. Ask Bernie Carrick, yeah. ask Ray Kelly, ask all of his supervisors and bosses back then. All he did was bitch and complain. That's it. He was a he was a Chuck Schumer like media whore, uh, standing there in his uniform with the one hundred guardians, bitching and complaining against uh, against the man who was trying the, the man in this case Rudy Giuliani, Bratton, Kelly, Bloomberg trying to save this and were saving black lives in this city. Right. Uh, they were doing that, and he was he was a thorn in their side, the hero side. Right, because they were white guys. But uh, he, he, he continued throughout his whole campaign to celebrate the days of a black man, David Dinkins, which in my lifetime, if God is good to me, I'll be 56 next year. Those are some of the worst days in the history of this city. Every bit as bad as de Blasio and Adams, David Dinkins, and this is the guy he keeps bringing up and taking shots at the white guys who did a very good job in this city. And finally, that, it's true. It's true. Um, we are not live on WABCradio.tv anymore. I do compel you folks to watch this radio show there after the show is over. Because, again, Eric and Danny and Gabby, they do a great job with graphics and images and videos and pictures. So you'll notice that uh, even though I dress nicely every day, Bernie always points that out, Today, I took it a step further. Pink shirt from uh, Geneva Custom-Made Shirts, my buddy Gene. Uh, the pink and blue uh, hanky. Uh, the whole thing, the nice blue jacket. And that is because later on this morning, my friend, our friend, Deborah Norville, and the uh, hook crew are going to stop by these studios. And uh, they want to talk to me about this Met situation. In 20 games, a Met player has been hit 19 times. And 11 of those players have been hit in the head. And uh, the Mets are looking for answers. New York fans are looking for answers. Major League Baseball is looking for answers. And I have no answers. I can't tell you why uh, the Mets have been hit nearly twice as much as any other team in baseball. But that is a fact. I know Chris Bassett, the Mets starter, blamed the baseballs a couple of days ago. That's fine. But why are the Mets the one team that continues to get hit every single night? No one seems to have an answer. And I'm not going to have one either when Inside Edition shows up later on this morning. <laughs> can, can we speculate? Is is because they're they're doing terrific, fantastic this year, and uh, maybe they show a little swag that uh, irks the other teams. Maybe listen, is that, that possible? That, not only possible. That's a great answer. And the Mets are 14 and six and playing very good baseball, but they're not like that. They're not a swag bunch of guys. They don't have guys on the team that other players around Major League Baseball don't like because that's a great answer and that would make sense. 
but it's just not the case with this group of Met players. So it remains a mystery, and we'll try to find that out before Inside Edition shows up at 10.30 this morning. 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Two great guests stopping by today. Yes, I went back to Twitter, and I contacted Jason Whitlock and apologized. He'll be here this morning, I promise, coming up at 7.40. And the all-time great Bill O'Reilly, he'll be here at 8.40. Going to be an epic Thursday show, Bernie and Sid, and we'll be back right after these short messages. Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. That's right. Back here on the Bernie and Sid Show, heard everywhere on the 77 WABC app, simulcast on Eastern Long Island, News Talk 107.1 FM, and of course on your smart TVs and your computers at WABCRadio.tv on this happy hump day, Thursday, April 28th, the last week of April. This time next week, it's going to be May. It's a happy time. Despite all the serious, uh, you know, stuff going on, the ugly, nasty stuff going on out there, inflation, crime, the war, and all this nonsense, uh, the old imbecile, he's, uh, he's lost it. He's, his, 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 Joe Biden has said he's, his poll numbers continue to crater if they could uh, crater anymore. Uh, there's a book out there also about, uh, I'll get to this a little bit later, uh, a credible book about the rift between Kamala Harris and Jill Biden, particularly Jill Biden and Joe Biden, and also, uh, you know, the fact that uh, it, it, it does not really include this. And, in fact, that's a, a hit on the book, is that it doesn't include the fact that Jill Biden, when she hooked up with Joe, uh, she was still married. She was gainfully married to a dude who actually, speaking of, uh, speaking of Inside Edition, that's funny that you're going on Inside Edition as a matter of fact, if I could find that right now, I would play that clip right now. Jill Biden's ex, uh, she actually cheated on this guy. He told Inside Edition this story. Well, I'm going to have to find it a little bit later. I'll get to that later. But in the meantime, on the left, you have the uh, the squad, the nutcakes, the socialists, the America haters. What's it called? What number is it, Lou? 25. Okay, listen to uh, Jill Biden's ex. His name is Bill Stevenson. He was he was talking, I believe, to Deborah Norville about uh, the break his breakup with his wife Jill and how Jill hooked up with Joe. Take a listen to this. So you were friends with Joe Biden? Oh yeah, right before the election in '72, Jill, Joe, Neely, and I were in his kitchen. How do you forget that? Stevenson says his first inkling something was up came when Jill refused to go with him to meet Bruce Springsteen, who was booked to appear at the Stone Balloon. He said, uh, Joe asked me to keep an eye on the boys. And I just thought to the back of my mind, hmm. One day, he says a man came into his bar and asked him to pay damages for a fender bender that involved Jill. He looks at me and he says, oh, she wasn't driving. I said, her beloved Corvette, she wasn't driving it? He goes, Senator Biden was driving it. And I went, what? There you go. What? 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 And he went on to, uh, you know, detail more, uh, you know, incidents that that, that prove that uh, he was she was cheating on him 
with Joe Biden. So, But the book ignores that. That's one failure of the book. Uh, so as I was mentioning, uh, now now Joe Biden is, is running to the left, believe it or not, into the arms of uh, uh, Elon Omar, Bernie Sanders, AOC, these types of people, specifically regarding this uh, student loan debt, which is $1.6 trillion. And if I'm not mistaken, I heard uh, or read somewhere where that would cost each American family $13,000 apiece, each American family, $13,000 to forgive this student loan debt, to pay, to help out these deadbeats who, you know, elected to take these idiotic majors in school, like uh, I always call it Afro-Polish gender studies, for example, and now they don't have a job. They're working in, uh, you know, Amazon warehouse, for God's sake. They can't pay it off. They're living at home with mommy and daddy, who are pretty, probably pretty uh, upper middle class. But uh, anyway, here's here's Big Mouth, and listen to this. This, I mean, if you didn't hate her already, just the tone of her voice, Elon Omar yesterday on canceling student debt. Uh, cut one look. Our president has taken an oath to represent all of us and to care for the well-being of all of us. And what we are asking and demanding today is for him to follow through with the promise of canceling student debt. She's hot, don't you think? uh, Oh, she's smoking. Isn't that hot? Oh, man. You know, by the way, she she hooked up after marrying her brother (laughs) back uh, 10 years ago. What? She she hooked up with a white guy. It's funny how all these women, uh, you know, these, uh, these social justice warriors, these progressives, you have AOCs with a white guy. You have Judge uh, Katanji Brown. She's married to a white guy. Kamala Harris married to a white guy. Right. I, mean, I, I don't know what to make of it. It's fine. It's a free country. Sure. You know, marry who you want. Just I'm, about every I'm NBA and NFL player, they're married to white women. Just about all of them. And they're all And I'm uh, all for Democrats. interracial marriage. I'm all for it, yeah. But sure. uh, there's something, uh, you know, I, I don't know what it is. But there's something about that. Well, that I'll uh, tell you this. Uh, uh, my wife, of course, is uh, biracial. Never made a secret about that. That's why it's funny, even after the Venus and Serena comments, when somebody refers to me in the past in any racist terms, Danielle is uh, Danielle had a black father. My children are part black. And uh, there's stuff that's uh, not allowed to be said in my household ever, ever, ever. And my son, by the way, goes to a school where 95% of his friends are black. In fact, one of his buddies visited him this weekend in my new neighborhood, and people were like, Whoa, hold on a second. So I'm all for it. I'm married to a girl who's half white, half black. And by the way, she is hot. <laughs> and I have, you, you know, uh, I have a baby mama who lives up in the Bronx. She lives up on Ho Avenue. And I got two, two boys. Lo- Ho Avenue. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a real place. It's uh, actually HOE Avenue. It's up there in the Bronx. That's where she lives with my, my two boys, uh, Hector and Isaiah. <laughs> I do know so, that. So, uh, you know, and they're doing fine. Thank you for asking. Oh, good, and, good, uh, good, good. They good, still good. go to public school, and uh, <laughs> the schools suck. But uh, it's tough for me on, on you know Father's Day and stuff like that. But either way, yeah, I have a similar situation. But just one more: uh, Bernie Sanders on this student loan thing too. These people—that's all they want—taking your taxpayer dollars and putting out a hammock and giving a drink or a beer to some lazy S- deadbeat sob. Bernie Sanders, cut two, please, low. If we could bail out banks that destroyed the economy because of their illegal activity, if we can give Mr. Bezos $10 billion, you know what we can do? We can cancel all student debt in America. Yeah, 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 yeah. Free beer for everybody. Everything's free. Why not cancel, uh, you know, uh, mortgages? Why not cancel auto loans? I mean, it's the same thing. 
you, you want to be, you know, Mr. Goody, Goody Gumdrops to everybody in the, uh, in, in the country? What the hell is this? Look, if uh, some dude didn't pay his, his student loan debt, I paid mine. Am I gonna get? Am I gonna get my money back? Are you gonna get your money back? Or if if you you paid your student loan debt, it's just not fair. It's not fair to the truck driver who didn't go to college. Now he's got to pay your junior's uh, student loan debt back for him. Uh, that thirteen thousand dollars is going to come out of his taxpayers, his money uh, for the year. His, his, I mean, it's it's just unfair. It's ridiculous. And uh, but Joe Biden is running in that direction. He's going to cancel it. $1.7 trillion. You talk about leading, uh, you know, to more inflation, spending $1.7 trillion. You just don't cancel the debt. You actually transfer the debt. And Judge Janine yesterday, she's always very colorful. Uh, listen, play that clip. Cut 31, Judge Janine telling these little uh, schmucks to pay their bills. Go ahead. Let me just finally say this. This asinine, I want to pay off student debt, is an insult to the senior citizens to the people who pay taxes, to people who decide, you know, do I want to buy meat this week or pay for my medicine? That's hogwash. You got so many jobs, you got a great economy, let them work and pay off their bills just the way all of us do. That's the yeah. end of it. That's the end of it right there. Judge Janine with the, the final word. I mean, it really just is ridiculous. A lot more of that. Joe Biden was at the University of Pennsylvania yesterday telling lies, making no sense. Uh, We'll get to that. The show is uh, just young, folks. Take it easy. Traffic and sports is coming up next, but right now it is the time for the 77 WABC Clip of the Day. Listen to One Tough Podcast with my friend Bo Deedle on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Here Bo talks Eric Adams needing to publicly support the police. Eric Adams, again, you are the mayor of New York City. You're America's mayor automatically, because New York City is the greatest city in the world. And, Eric, you should support your cops, and you should go to city council and retract that, and as long as that cop is doing their job properly, that should be taken off. Let the cops know that you truly, truly support them. And I think that's a very big issue, and I would love for you to, to deal with that, too. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at Info at GoboLaw.com. Gobble Law, where winning is no accident. On the Red Apple Podcast Network.
going to play this uh, Rudy stuff in the 8 o'clock hour. I, I listened to it again like 10 times this morning. I got an erection. I don't need Cialis. I don't need Viagra. I just need Rudy. The way he kicked the living crap out of Eric Adams, it was just gorgeous. So we'll play that later. And um, I want to get to the Swazi stuff with Bernie this segment. But I have to tell you, Bern, I, uh, you know, as you know, I, I go to. Tell me, Sydney. Tell me. I go to every event, whether it's a station event, there could be something for a TV show. I, I'm out all the time. You really are. You're a great team player. I must say that. Well, thank you. I always, always have been. Thank you. But I, I'm, I'm, I, I hate it, and you know that. I, t- I tell you the truth. And now, of course, the mic is on, but I hate it. I, you know, I just like I got a ceiling fan last night, you know, and uh, the jock will put the ceiling fan up, and I just want to lay in my bed and and watch sports and uh, and uh, have my ceiling fan on and hang out with Danielle. But now, the next like five or six days, I got so much stuff going on. Like for example, Sunday morning, you and I received this very prestigious. Very coveted award. Congratulations, Bernie. I mean that sincerely. We are we won the Silver Shields Award, uh, given out by uh, police folks who um, have lost their lives in the line of duty, men and women. It's a very very big deal. There's a very big breakfast coming up in the Bronx on Sunday morning. I could not be more honored and humbled to be there with Danielle, and of course you'll be there in spirit too. But I'm already like freaked out. I, I, I got to get up early Sunday morning. I got to I got to get dressed up. Ba ba ba. And then Tuesday yeah. night, I got to go to Staten Island for the Ferry Hawks baseball game, which is going to be fun. It's going to be great. John and Chad, the whole station. It's a baseball game, and I'm freaked out about that too. I just everything freaks me out these days. Well, well do, do you have to speak at either either event? Well, yeah, I'm going to have to accept the award on our behalf and speak on Sunday for sure. Okay, so and, is that is that what's freaking you out? No, that does, I don't, just... I don't, no, I don't care about that. I don't no, get okay. nervous. So I, it's just that you know you just you just want to stay home, right? I got to get up at seven o'clock in the morning and get dressed, and I got to go back yeah. and forth between Queens and Staten Island on a Tuesday night to be. Up 3.30 a.m. Wednesday. And, again, these are all great things. They're great events. But as I'm getting older, man, I'm just, I don't I just want to, you know, I just want to stay home. Uh, well, <laughs> And I love my you, new you, house. So. <laughs> you know where I'm coming from on I know. that. But, uh, <laughs> I know. but uh, these things, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, you, you know, better than anybody else. I mean, it's great PR. And uh, you it's an honor to, yeah. to not show up for a, a police award or something like that. Is, uh, you know, it comes off as a. Uh, Poking the eye no, to the people no, giving no, you the award. Of course, this is a very prestigious award, and uh, we again, uh, I'll speak on, on both of our behalves. We're very honored to get it, and we're going to get up very early Sunday morning. Me and Danielle get all dressed up and and uh, accept this award with gratitude and passion. And thank you to those folks for uh, picking Bernie and Sid for the Integrity in Journalism Award. Now, somebody that showed very little integrity, and this is a brilliant transition. Somebody that showed very little integrity is a local politician out of Long Island who's a Democrat, and his name is Tom Swazi. Given the opportunity to to um, show some, uh, more than once, actually twice, he's declined both times. You know the story. He was on this show. Uh, Bernie asked him the question. I know some of these columns credited me with it. It was not me. i got to set the record straight. It was Bernie who asked Tom Swazi about the uh, parental lockdown in Florida. In fact, if we've got it, we may as well play it before we play the, the Frank Morano pieces from early this morning because Morano had Tom Swazi on. It was a perfect question by Bernard. It was not even a leading question. Bernie just asked him flat out about this bill. You know our feeling on the bill. Uh, we think it's a very fair bill. Uh, we don't think that little kids should be taught sex, straight sex, gay sex, penis, vagina, 
third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade. There's no way in a million years, and Jen Psaki can cry all she wants, that any decent parent, any decent parent wants a teacher teaching our kids about that instead of our parents. So with that said, here was the exchange between Bernie and Swazi that has set New York on fire. I want to ask you about this uh, Florida law, the Parental Rights Act, which prohibits uh, teachers from talking sex, genitals, stuff like that, with kids, kindergarten to th- uh, third grade. Do you support that Parental Rights Act, or are you uh, of the Democrat I persuasion? I think it's a very reasonable law not to try and get kids in kindergarten to be talking about sex. I mean, that's very reasonable. And so I totally understand that. I wish it wouldn't become such a hot-button issue where people are just attacking each other. It's just common sense. I don't want some teacher talking to my kid at, at, at you know, kindergarten first grade about their sex parts i mean this just doesn't make sense all right that's a great answer and we quite, right right and well here's tom swazi john katsimatidis is always talking about common sense democrats i keep saying who are they they don't exist and here's one but uh, it turns out i'm right they don't exist uh so here was one we thought at least and then a couple of days after that whether it was somebody you know pressuring him to, to take money out of the campaign or his constituents who were killing him in the press whatever it was tom swazi caved he didn't backwalk it just a little he completely caved he took it back he said his comments on our show were inartful and that led to a phone conversation between me and swazi on the ferry uh last week when you were out and i blasted him i said tom what are you doing he said sid i'm nervous about our kids being bullied and again i'll say this for the 10th time this week i was bullied throughout my whole stay at poly prep i wasn't gay my son gabriel gets bullied all the time at his school on the Upper West Side, Gabriel is not gay. Bullying is not exclusive to gays. And there's nothing in this bill that talks about gays, talks about lesbians, that would lead somebody to bully to bully a person of that sexual persuasion. That is an excuse. It's nonsense. And I said, Tom, you need to come on our show tomorrow, not next week, tomorrow and fix it. And he said, I can't. I'm going on with Len Berman. It turns out he goes on with Berman and Riedel every Thursday uh, that is a show nobody listens to. They don't even show up in the ratings. You and I won this thing by a distance, but that was an excuse. He just knew we couldn't come on because he'd have no answer. So what does he do? Another cowardly move. He goes on overnight with Frank Morano. Frank Morano, who's a great radio host and a dear friend sure. of both me and Bernard. But if you're going to come on any radio show, Bernie, what show do you go on? Well, you got to go in the morning show. The Bernie and Sid show, come on. And just one quick thing on the bullying thing, such a lie, such a it's such a, a dem distracting uh, talking point, if you will. Uh, it, it you know it's it's not just gay gay talk. It's not about being bullied. It's about teachers trying to get indoctrinate kids into this transsexual, this transgender mentality that you can change sexes, you can change your sex. That's what it's about. It's less about gays. It's more about a tra- transgenders than it is about gays and it's just not appropriate for kids of any age but especially uh, six and seven year olds god almighty right, and the good news is so so, so it, obvious and we all agreed on that me you and tom but again tom placing politics before our children which i don't have any patience for so while on one hand I say I've talked to Tom a bunch of times, me and Bernard, I've met Tom at the Columbus Day Parade, seems like a nice guy, I've lost some respect for him. And again, given the opportunity to talk on our show where he made those comments, he keeps dodging me. He goes on with Frank Morano. So Frank, who's great, he brought up a conversation Swazi had with you and I and asked for some type of 
I don't know, uh, to complete the story, tell us exactly what happened. And if you listen really carefully, once again, Tom Swazi dodges the question and has no answer. Uh, the other thing that a number of our listeners uh, have brought up, because uh, our colleagues in the morning have been talking about it, is you were on uh, with Bernie and Sid, and you seemed to say that you understood the rationale behind Florida passing the so-called don't say gay bill. And then uh, those guys say that in the coming days after the controversy surrounding it, you backed off that position a little bit. Well, just so people know a lot of where it. you are on this, what is your take on Florida's law restricting discussion of sexual identity in schools? So I don't know if it was Bernie or Sid that asked me, but they asked me, they said, do you think we should be teaching kids in kindergarten and first grade about sex and genitalia? I said, no, I don't think we should. I think it's a very reasonable law to not do that. Uh, when I said that, there was a firestorm because people said, you know, and I made it clear on that same show. I said, listen, I've always supported LGBTQ rights. So do we. Uh, I've got a 100% rating from the human rights campaign. Uh, you know, I want to treat people like human beings and treat them fairly and equally. Uh, there was a firestorm after that show. I said, listen, that law is much more than that. You can't treat teach sex education in kindergarten and first grade anyway in Florida. It was you, you can't teach sex education until fifth grade. And you can't teach that in most states. So the question becomes here. But they were doing the it anyway. Did he answer the question? Right. So, so and, and what he, when he says, when he gives Frank that type of answer, what he's intimating, and this pisses me off a lot too, is is that Bernie McGurk and Sid Rosenberg don't care about exactly. the LBGT community. And that is completely false. We do care. Again, uh, at the risk of repetition, I'm a very liberal guy when it comes to social issues. I'm pro-choice. I'm pro-choice, I'm for gay marriage, uh, I'm okay with everything that goes on. They deserve the same rights as we do. I've said that a million times, so has Bernard. So when he says that, it's almost like, well, I care more about that community. No, you don't. The, the fact is right. the bill has nothing to do with that community. That's been our contention from day one. Right, but he's morally superior to us because he cares, uh, as, 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 as though, though we don't. When again, it's not about the gays. It's not about the, even tra adult transsexuals or transgenders, whatever you want to call them. It's about kids. It's about stealing their innocence. They, they want to be kids. They, you've got to teach them reading, writing, and arithmetic. It's a tough world out there. They need it all the time they can get in school devoted to, to academics and not to some uh, gender bender, mental disorder, gender dysphoria crap. It was called a, a mental disorder by the New England Journal of Medicine up until five years ago when they got pressured into stop doing so. So that's what it's about. It's not about gay rights or any of that crap. So he's he's actually now taking shots at us. Right. And uh, I would be interested to hear, because I know Frank has, uh, unlike us, he has more time. I would be interested to hear how Frank challenged him on these lies that he put forward on Frank Morano's show. I'm sure Frank gave it to him good. No. Uh, maybe they can try no. and get that uh, no. audio for us so yeah. we can straighten yeah. this whole thing out. Doesn't exist. What? <laughs> Frank did not give it to him good. I mean, Frank let him answer the question. And, he let uh, him lie? <laughs> he let him distort? He let him take shots at us? I mean, he kind of did, Frank. I, there was oh, come on. No, that did not happen. <laughs> <laughs> that did not happen. We do, no, have, not a, not a, we do have a second cut here from uh, Swazi with Frank Morano, but if you're looking for Morano defending us, Bernard, you're going to be disappointed. Or, or, or defending the, uh, the you know the truth. Defending this is what WABC is about. The truth, you know. It's it's. And by the way, the so-called "Don't Say Gable" 
Call it what it is, the Parental Rights Act. Right. That's right. what it is. Right. Don't it's not the, the don't say, That's a right. lie. That's right. a complete and total right. lie. There's nothing in that bill that says don't say gay. Nothing. Nothing. nothing again, as I said earlier, nothing it's about, about transgenders. Nothing. That's right. Nothing. So here is that uh, second piece of audio, uh, Swazi, who's now become, uh, he's on the same list now with Biden he's a worm. And, and Adams, public enemy number one to Bernie and Sid. Here is uh, that second quote from Frank Marano's interview earlier this morning. The problem with the law from many people from the LGBTQ community and, and others, and my, myself included, is that if a kid comes into class and they've got two mommies or two daddies and they're getting bullied uh, by the other kids, the teacher can't try and talk about why it's okay to have two mommies or two daddies. Right. And so for people who don't trust teachers, they say, oh, I don't want you to indoctrinate my, indoctrinate my kids. For people who do trust teachers, they say, listen, I would like the teacher to try and Stop the kid from being bullied, bullied, and you know they're not going to talk about sex education in kindergarten or first grade. So I made it very clear: I don't support the law. I don't support what DeSantis is trying to do uh, in dividing people. Uh, and I still think it's reasonable that you not teach kids in kindergarten and first grade about sex education and about genitalia. I mean, he sounds like an idiot. So, so if there's a He's kid a in school who's bullying somebody because they've got two mommies or two daddies, that's why they have principles that's why they have guidance counselors you take that kid into the office and you explain to them don't do that but the actual conversation about sex and why i have mommies and daddies takes place at home and these are kindergartners first graders there's really for the most part if you ask any teacher kindergartners and first graders do not engage in bullying they're still right coming out of the toddler stage right i mean it's they're too young to understand any of this crap and they don't engage in it. And we've played clips from libs of TikTok of teachers who are bragging about indoctrinating kids into this uh, transgender mentality and God knows what else. I mean, to try to validate their own existence, to talk about having your wiener whacked off at the age of six, talking to kids about that. That's what this law uh, outlaws. It, it, It prohibits them from doing that. But it, they've been doing it because I played the clips many times. I can do it again. You just go to libs of TikTok, and you got these teachers themselves with, with nose rings and green hair bragging about teaching six and seven year olds yep. about this kind of crap. Yep. Now, listen. The bottom line is uh, the bill is fair. It's a good bill. If you're a good parent, you like the bill. Tom Swasey told you the way he felt initially, which was it is a good and fair bill. He was uh, then facing political pressure, and this is the most cowardly thing a person can do when it comes to the safety and security and the future of our children to actually cave to political pressure or somebody you know, threatening to take money away from your campaign. To me, that is about as low as it gets, and that's exactly, don't, don't kid yourselves here, folks, that's exactly what happened. Somebody got to Swazi and said, listen, I'm taking my money out. I'm not going to support you. I'm not going to endorse you. And he decided that was more important than the safety of our children, and that to me is despicable. Our two of Bernie and Sid is coming up next. We are New York. Bernie and Sid in the morning. Talk Radio 77.
we are back here on the Bernie and Sid Show. Pack it up, pack it in, let me begin. I came to win, battle me, that's a sin. Uh, listen, we're heard everywhere on the Bernie and Sid Show on the 77 WABC app. Also, simulcast out on Eastern Long Island, News Talk 107.1 FM, and on your smart TVs and your computers at WABCradio.tv on this uh, glorious uh, f- Friday Eve, essentially, is what it is. The last week of April, ladies and gentlemen, it's beautiful morning out. I mean, it's cold. It's cold, but the sun's out, and, uh, well, the warm weather's coming. Good things are coming, folks. Keep hope alive. Keep a smile on your face. It's been a good uh, couple of weeks for our side, if, if, if I may say so. If you're on my side, it's, it, it w- w- will be construed as our side. A lot of things out there, good things happening in Florida, Disney, Netflix, et cetera, et cetera. Articulated it all week long. Of course, uh, Elon Musk taking over Twitter. Uh, that story's starting to die out, but uh, it's still a big deal. It's a huge deal. It's seismic. It's almost as big as uh, when Trump won the election in November 2020. Yeah, no, it's actually, de- yeah, and, and uh, to your point, it hasn't died out yet because it's actually the cover of today's New York Post that uh, if you really are paying attention, not you, Byrne, but the, the public, uh, uh, the cover of today's New York Post uh, actually talks about conservatives and gives names that are back on Twitter as of the last couple of days. So it is still a big story today. It's the front page of today's New York Post. And it does it dominates Twitter itself, which I'm on and I look at, and it appears that many, 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 many conservatives, many people are getting tens of thousands of followers back after these algorithms somehow or other uh, deleted their followers. I don't know what they did. However, they did it. Uh, they shadow banned, of course. They censored. They 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 banned, but also they took away followers somehow or other. And they were all getting them back. Uh, they were all miraculously. And here's the, the crux of the whole thing was uh, what, what pissed off the, the left regarding Twitter was the, Donald Trump's ability to tweet effectively, to go around the mainstream media. And uh, he, what he tweeted became what people talked about as opposed to the media themselves setting the agenda. And this really, really pissed off the left. And so here's... Trump in 2016, cut 23, Luke, talking about his ability to tweet effectively, getting his message out there, not the message that the media wanted. Go ahead, play it, Luke. Tweeting happens to be a modern-day form of communication. I mean, you can like it or not like it. I have, between Facebook and Twitter, I have almost 25 million people. It's a very effective way of communication. Very effective. He used it effectively. He was the cool guy. Yep. I mean, if Obama could do it, they'd be saying, yeah, he's so cool, Obama, Mr. Slick. He's mastered Twitter, just like all the young kids out there. No, it was Donald Trump, and it rubbed these people the wrong way. And by the way, that, that, that cut craw. you played was, was clearly early, Bernard, in Donald Trump's stay because he talked about between Twitter and Facebook having about $25 million before he got banned on all of his social media accounts, including Twitter, he was over $50 million. So he oh, actually yeah, sure. doubled the amount of followers from that cut that you played to the time he was banned. That's how influential Donald Trump was on social media. And that's how shrewd he was. He knew early on that Twitter was the, the wave of the future, the way to communicate to people, again, to go around the fake news people who, who again, you know, play this uh, clip here. You have a bunch of these fake newsers. Just whining. This is cut 24, whining about Trump's ability to tweet effectively. Go ahead, Luke. 
It's jaw-dropping and yeah. downright scary and dangerous. And Donald Trump's Twitter account increasingly is becoming a national security threat. And he is a big person, a bully on Twitter. And essentially doubled down, boasting about the statement that he made on Twitter. Um, is this the Donald Trump effect of trying to be outrageous? I mean, this is this is dangerous. Trump's addiction to Twitter is not only politically counterproductive, it is dangerous on many levels, including uh, to national security. I want to shine a spotlight on showing how dangerous uh, Trump and his Twitter button can be. So that's from like four or four years ago, four or five years ago, maybe. Just to just to highlight what the genesis of uh, the, the, the left's hijacking of Twitter was all about. It was all about Donald Trump, uh, as most things were in the past few years. It was about Donald Trump. Now, uh, of course, they banned the uh, the Twitter did ban the laptop from Hell Story before the election, rigging the election, enabling Joe Biden to win. Uh, there was one aspect of the rigging. You had the big tech. You had the media, you had deep state, all these people conspired to rig the election in November 2020. But it turns out that right now you have uh, yesterday, it turned out the Daily Mail actually came out. They looked at the laptop and it turns out that uh, Joe Biden paid off 800 grand of Hunter Biden's legal bills regarding his China business dealings. Eight hundred thousand dollars. Now, if you're going to pay off eight hundred thousand dollars of your son's legal uh, you know, bills or whatever it is regarding his, his dealings with a foreign government, while you're vice president, you would think that he would talk to Hunter about just those things, about his business dealings, right? The things that he's been denying. You would think. So you would think eight, $800,000 is, uh, I mean, come on. It's a lot of money. Now, Lou, Lou, I didn't call, get cut six ready. Uh, Merrick Garland was on, he was in front of the Senate yesterday, and he was answering questions. Because right now, at this point, it looks like we need a special prosecutor. You have the uh, U.S. attorney in Delaware who's looking into all this nonsense, but you can't trust him. And uh, people say, well, yeah, he's the U.S. attorney from Delaware. He, he's going to make the decision. No, the ultimate decision is with the attorney general, is Merrick Garland, who is acting as Joe Biden's personal attorney. Anyway, this was him yesterday in front of the Senate answering a question about Joe Hunter and the corruption. A cut six, please, Lou. There will not be interference of any uh, uh, political or improper kind. Would you think it would be appropriate for the president of the United States to call you into the Oval Office and tell you that his son didn't break the law regarding this matter? Uh, Absolutely not. And uh, the president has not done that. And the president has committed not to interfere, not only in that investigation, but any other. He said it would not be inappropriate. It would not be inappropriate for the president to call him into the Oval Office and tell him, the attorney general, right. that his son did nothing wrong. It would be highly inappropriate. Highly. It's, it's funny, this, though. You just you reminded me of the Trump era because you just said that Merrick Garland is uh, basically operating, the attorney general is basically operating as Biden's personal attorney. How many times did we hear that before the relationship went sour between Bill Barr and Donald Trump? A lot. Man, of a course. lot. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, lot. so my point is, isn't that, not, not that Merrick Garland isn't a lightweight, not that Joe Biden's not a corrupt criminal, but isn't that basically what attorney generals do? I mean, they, they basically side with the president and try to make an argument for the president, even if sometimes, like in this case particularly, there is no argument to be made. 
No, not necessarily. They don't all do that. Some of them have integrity. In fact, Bill Barr had integrity. Just look at look at him now. Look at him. He wrote a book. He had a big falling out with Donald Trump because he did not want to be his personal attorney. So uh, Bill Barr actually, I think he maintained his dignity and uh, he he did what he had to do as attorney general. Uh, but either way, now, based on what this guy just said and the evidence coming out from the laptop, I think we need a special prosecutor. I really do. And I think we're going to get one. Robert yeah, Mueller? We're gonna get, one. get Robert Mueller? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're going to... Robert Mueller, he's 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 worse than Joe. He's worse off than Joe Biden. This guy, Robert Mueller, this guy is drooling. He didn't know what the hell was in the Mueller report, the one that bore his name. Believe it or not, I mean, he had no clue. The poor no. bastard. Yeah. Uh, he was anyway. Listen, Joe Biden was at the University of Pennsylvania yesterday, and uh, he just completely lied. University of Pennsylvania gave him a lot of money. They bestowed on him some, uh, you know some figurehead uh, type of professorship, something like that. Cut 12. This is a com- Everything he says here is a complete and total lie. Cut 12, please, Lou. By the way, when I left the vice presidency, I had a chance to do a number of things, but I became a professor at the University of Pennsylvania and uh, presidential politics. And I, uh, it was, uh, I, I enjoyed it, but it's hard. That's the other thing people don't realize. It's hard how much you prepare. He never taught a single damn class, not one. And he, he continued, not one. He said, He's the best. It's unbelievable. He's the best. The best. And then, then he repeated this to teachers, uh, cut 20. This is the crux of the argument about the Parental Rights Act, et cetera, et cetera. Cut 20. Listen to what he said. Play that, please. The homeland threat picture has shifted dramatically from foreign terrorists to domestic terrorists and particularly racially motivated violent extremists who present the most lethal threat to the homeland. Yes, cut 29. What is your current assessment? You've heard me say it many times about our children, but it's true. They're all our children. And the, the reason you're the teachers of the year is because you recognize that. They're not somebody else's children. They're like yours when they're in the classroom. You hear what he said? They're not somebody else's children. They're yours when they're in the classroom. Not uh pops. That's not true. They're my kids. Damn right. They're our kids. They go to their, they'll learn how to read and write, and that's that. They're not the teacher's kids whatsoever. Uh, So, uh, anyway, that's the crux of the argument, the debate that we're having, and that's why these people are are losing. That's why Glenn Youngkin is the governor of the state of Virginia right now. No doubt. Because of just that, exactly. Now, Back to Cut 20. I'm sorry about that. Cut 20. This bald-headed creep, Alejandro Mayorkas. I love the name, but I hate the guy. He was in front of uh, some Senate committee yesterday, and and, and they were supposed to be talking. It's the Homeland Security Committee. They're talking about the emergency, the crisis at the border. And, by the way, polls show now most people are concerned about, number one, inflation, number two, believe it or not, the border. Oh, yeah, no. The border it's, crisis. It's huge. I mean, you got all these people coming over, thousands and thousands a day, and once that Title 42 goes away, it'll double from 8,000 a day to 16,000 a day, and more people are becoming aware of not just the criminals, but the drugs, the fentanyl specifically, which is killing Americans. So there's no doubt that has exactly. become a huge story, and, and like you said, uh, in the top two. The good news about Mayorkas is, I know you couldn't stand him from day one. You were right there, Bernie, once again, is that it does look like... Uh, if and when, when, not if, the Republicans take back the uh, the Senate, 
that they are going to uh, impeach Mayorkas as uh, the head of uh, Homeland Security and kick his ass out so we can uh, look forward oh, to that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Too bad they couldn't lock him up. But anyway, here is the first question asked on, a, on the border crisis down in the Senate, with, uh, in the House, actually, with this Homeland Security Committee. The first question, cut 20, please, Lou. The Homeland threat picture has shifted dramatically from foreign terrorists to domestic terrorists and particularly racially motivated violent extremists who present the most lethal threat to the homeland. What is your current assessment of the domestic terrorism threat to our country? Mr. Chairman, it is our assessment that domestic violent extremism poses the greatest terrorism-related threat uh, to our homeland. You believe that? That's the greatest threat to our homeland? Talking about the border, and you just mentioned it, the fentanyl coming across, killing tens of thousands of Americans. That is the issue. This creep of a congressman that asked him, his name is Benton or Benson or something like that. I, I don't even care I what it is. I think it's Robbie Benson, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Robbie Benson, yeah. right? No, yeah. I think it is. So, <laughs> the old actor, same name. So, yeah, to ask that type of a question at a hearing like this, when tens of thousands racially motivated, shut the hell up. Shut the hell up. It's killing. By the way, who was that actor in Brooklyn that died? Uh, from the the overdose. Oh his, yes, uh, he was very. He was black. All right. Yes, he was black. That's if yes. you want to call it racially motivated. The Chinese yeah. and the Mexican cartels and Joe Biden killed that guy because they're allowing this fentanyl to come across and poison people. These guys. That guy would have. He thought he was snorting heroin. He ended up snorting fentanyl because of the stupid open border. And these people, they they have no clue. He continued to lie, did this Mayorkas. This is cut hey, by the four. One more, though, before we get to his, his next cut, uh, another guy that died because of that, uh, and she just was slapped with a 30-year prison sentence. This prostitute was uh, this kid who everybody loved. He was the head chef at Cipriani's, and it was the uh, the Grand oh, yeah. Central Cipriani's in, uh, in Grand Central on 42nd Street. Yeah, she actually ended up giving four of her Johns these drugs with fentanyl, and they all died, including... This uh, chef from Cipriani, so another kind of a, a local guy a lot of people like that died from drugs. Yeah, yeah, it's celebrities, and there are uh, tens of thousands of anonymous, everyday Americans. One more lie from this Mayorkas creep cut four, please, Lou. We inherited a broken and dismantled system that is already under strain. It is not this? built to manage the current levels and types of migratory flows. Only Congress can fix this. We had this thing... Completely we have totally, shut up, shut up, Baldy. We had it. Shut. We had it completely under control. Everybody knows that he continues to repeat lies. And then I talked about uh, this poor soldier, Texas National Guard soldier, took off his uh, armor, put it down on the ground, jumped in to try to save two illegal aliens who turned out to be narco traffickers, killing Americans. He died. They found his body after three days. The only person I heard talk about it in the mainstream media was uh, Jesse Waters. This was Jesse last night, of course, validating me, which is why I'm playing it right now. Cut 15, please, Lou. I thought certain things should be off limits during the debates. For example, he didn't want to bring up Kamala's sexual relationship with Willie Brown and how she rose to prominence through that because he just didn't think you should go there. But Kamala came out guns blazing, pulled out the race card. My bad, it's cut 11, cut 11. Please go ahead, cut 11. I was enjoying that, though. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that a little Kamala later. banging the mayor. And then you have an African-American Border Patrol agent go there and try to rescue someone. He dies, and you don't hear anything about it. 
Pathetic. You don't hear anything. Nope. And that's what I've been Pathetic. saying the past few yeah. days, which is why I want to punch David Muir in his face <laughs> and Lester Holt and the rest of them. All of them. And by but, the way, uh, even Brett Baer. I mean, he, he had Pete Buttigieg. Live well, Brett in Baer, did, he, he, he covered this particular. Uh, oh, he did. Okay. So, Texas Soldier. Yeah. In fact, that may have been where I saw it initially. Okay, good. I mean, it was a very. When they took his casket to uh, the vehicle waiting to take him away. Yeah. Very moving. Again, a, a young black soldier, 22 years old, did a tour in Iraq. Looked great in his uniform. I mean, brought a tear to your eye to look at his picture. And he was doing a noble thing, trying to save people. And the media, they wouldn't even, they won't even cover it. And, and these people all about, you know, you know, pumping up uh, blacks, et cetera, et cetera. As, and I have no problem with that. But this would be one case where you would do it, except it didn't fit the narrative. It didn't fit the narrative, so they didn't do it. And just the last, the last thing here, you asked me this question Last hour, Sydney, about the gerrymandering decisions. It's a big deal here in New York. It's a huge deal. Is, huge deal. Huge, yes. Because uh, they, they, the Democrat, they, we, once again, we found out the Democrats cheating. Cheating, right. The state legislature appointed a bunch of uh, crooked, uh, uh, I don't know, bureaucrats to a committee to try to uh, redistrict the, 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 these congressional districts to try, try to make it easier for Democrats to win. So so egregious that in one case you had uh, you had Bronx and Westchester County mixed with Long Island in one congressional district. It made no sense whatsoever. It was a naked power grab. Anyway, a court struck it down yesterday, which is great. And Nicole Maliataka, she was going to be maybe victimized by this as well. She said this yesterday about that. A play. This is cut. To, what the hell is this cut? Nicole Maliataka. Go ahead, play it, Lou. Here you had one party rule in Albany changing the boundaries, changing the rules to tilt the scale to favor their candidates, and they got caught. really was a blatant slap in the face of New Yorkers who said they didn't want political gerrymandering. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Nicole Malley attack is doing a victory lap, as she should. Yeah, she should, because I mean, like that would have put the, uh, the ball right in Max Rose's court. He's the last guy we want to see win. By the way, uh, to your uh, point there, Bernard, Pat Russo, the great Pat Russo, Sets up all those uh, great boxing events for kids with the PAL League and the police. He informs mm-hmm. me the Bernie, the uh, the actor you were talking about. Uh, his name was Michael K. Williams. Hey, thank you, Pat Russo. Michael K. Williams, Joe Biden, and Alejandro Mayorkas killed Michael K. Williams by leaving the border open and allowing all this fentanyl to come in. Michael K. Williams is dead, a direct result of their policy. Thank you, Pat Russo, on the Bernie and Sid show. We're going to speak to Jason Whitlock. This guy is brilliant. He's a friend of Sid's. He's been on the show before. Jason Whitlock, and uh, he's coming up in a little bit on the Bernie and Sid show. A lot more to come. Keep it where it is, folks. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno.
Sometimes when this place gets kind of empty Sound of their breath fades with the light I think about the loveless fascination Under the Milky Way tonight One of my favorite songs ever, Under the Milky Way by the Church. And um, when I asked Lou to play this a couple of weeks ago, he was, like, so pleasantly surprised. And I was surprised to hear these guys were still touring. In fact, Lou saw them at a place I happen to like very much down by Chelsea, the New York City winery, not that long ago. I'm, I'm shocked they're still out there and you just saw them. Yeah, absolutely. They're still touring. They're great. No, one, no great one knows about them. <laughs> Except for you and I. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, short segment here because you do have Jason Whitlock coming up. You just heard from Bill O'Reilly. He'll be on... His weekly appearance at 840, which is always a monster, monster success. So one quick question for you, Bernard. I was reading an opinion piece in uh, today's New York Post. And I forget the guy's name. I apologize. But he was saying that uh, Times Square. Times Square. Yeah. The the last thing Times Square needs is a casino. What Times Square needs is more cops. So there are a bunch of folks, including me who believe that a casino, even though we've got a, a lot of foot traffic and car traffic and 350,000 people, it's a mess down there. I get it. But a casino would work. The revenue is uh, undeniable, and uh, it would be an exciting thing for New York City. Uh, but at the same time, I also want more cops, so I'm kind of in a bind over this. But what are your thoughts on uh, on a casino in Times Square? It's simple to me. The two are not mutually exclusive. You have right. both. Right. You put the casino and the cops. You're going to need the cops if you have a casino. But, right. Uh, right. But either way, you do both. It's a no-brainer. And, yes, you put a, a casino in Times Square. F- forgive me, but I hate Times Square the way it is. It's a soulless. Uh, it's gross. A, you know, depressing yeah. tourist trap with, right. these, uh, with these stupid uh, characters walking around and uh, these half-naked, fat uh, Latino ladies or whatever the well, hell they that, are. See, you just nailed it. That's the problem. Not a casino. Get rid of those those nasty characters who, by the way, most of them are like convicted felons. <laughs> Get rid of them yeah. and, uh, and put a building there. You've already got the Hard Rock. I know the hotel is going to open soon, but Jim Allen, you got the Hard Rock right there, the, the, the restaurant. Put some tables in there. Let's have some fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, it could de- uh, devolve into something, you know, unseemly, uh, seedy, that type of thing. But you you, you have to be diligent. <laughs> I mean, it's a casino. You, you oh, got a bunch no, of degenerate no, no. gamblers I, 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 I've heard up. that for years. Every time you put a I'm casino, it, it actually possible. improves the community. And, and Bernie, how could a Times Square be any more seedy than it is now? You're not putting it into a pristine well, Beverly Hills community. You're putting it into a neighborhood that is already disgusting and seedy. So maybe listen, now with some revenue, you can fix some of that. I remember the days of Times Square when it was all porn and prostitutes yeah, and drugs. I miss those it was days. Really, really. Well, that's what Hello? it could turn into. That, that's to, to answer your question. No, uh, your ver- very uh, valid question. That's exactly what it could de- devolve into. You have to guard against something like that. Yeah. Although, yeah, there, there, there is that sentiment out there that Rudy Giuliani ruined Times Square yeah. when he cleaned it up <laughs> because true. that uh, the joint, as they as they say, from "It's a Wonderful Life," the joint had atmosphere. You know, it was know, it uh, did. you know, it, did. It, was, it was kind of uh, it was kind of colorful. It was I, it, it was I, like I, our red light district, which is so popular yeah. in Amsterdam. That was our our little spot. And talking about Rudy Giuliani, we'll get to him in the eight o'clock hour because 
He went off on Eric Adams yesterday. Again, we were the first to really do it. I know Greg Kelly hops on because of the way Eric uh, talks about his father. But it really started with Sid and Bernie, the whole Eric Adams thing. And now more and more and more people are hopping aboard. And we made Rudy and Andrew aware. They didn't even know that Eric Adams called Rudy's tactics racist. Mm -hmm. And Rudy opened up a can on uh, whoop-ass on Eric Adams yesterday. When you hear this at 8 o'clock, you're going to love it. It's going to blow you away, ladies and gentlemen, Rudy Giuliani. Uh, So keep it where it is. You got uh, Jason Whitlock coming up. You got Bill O'Reilly. You got Rudy Giuliani trashing Eric Adams. Traffic and sports also coming up next. But right now it's time for the 77 WABC Clip of the Day. Listen to One Tough Podcast. One Tough Podcast with Bo Deedle on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Here Bo talks about firefighters. Take it away, Lou. A lot of people say, oh, firemen don't do much of anything. They work out. Yeah, but when there's a fire, baby, they're the ones that are running in there. So they are truly same heroes as my law enforcement officers are out there that face off with a guy with a gun. I tell you what, I'd rather face off with a guy with a gun than run into a house with a burning fire. That's true heroism. Cops and firemen, to me, are the same. If we lose a fireman or we lose a cop, there's no lesser hero than our hero cops and our hero firemen. Bernie and Sid in the morning. People like Elon Musk, hats off to him. Man with the money is fed up with their censorship and their tactics and the whole climate around media, the woke media, CNN Plus collapse. Rachel Maddow running away from her TV show. Netflix collapsing, losing subscribers. We're in the middle of the climate change that America needs, and the left is losing its mind. Don't look. They're all scared. Time was drifting. This rock got to roll. So I hit the road and made my getaway. Restless feeling. Right, that was uh, Jason Whitlock on Tucker Carlson two nights ago. And um known Jason for a very, very long time. Back to my days when I started my sports career back in 1999 with Scott Kaplan. And uh, we were syndicated by Sports Fan Radio Network and Joel Hollander, Westwood One. And one of the stations we had great success on was 610 in Kansas City, where a young Jason Whitlock at the time was just a uh, a sports talk show host and writing. Now he's gone on to become this unbelievable success in that he is a man that speaks the truth, an African-American conservative who was out there uh, day and night uh, trying to help this country out in much bigger ways than who the Kansas City Chiefs may draft later on tonight. So with that said, here he is, the pride of Kansas City, a great American, our friend, Jason Whitlock. Jason, Sid and Bernie in New York. How are you, buddy? Awesome, Sid. Thanks for having me. You Always got it. a pleasure to speak to people in New York. Uh, you too, and uh, we love having you. And uh, both of us, me and Bernard, are both very, very big fans of yours. And anytime you're on television, Tucker, a variety of shows, we always play your cards because you are, you're the voice of reason the voice of Saturday. You talked there about Elon Musk, how important that was in terms of a freedom of speech and moving America forward. Uh, for folks that didn't watch you on Tucker two nights ago, just kind of expand on that, the importance of Elon Musk taking over Twitter. You know, I, I, actually, I mean, I, what Elon Musk is attempting to do is 
very important. But I think overall there's a wave being ridden. That there's a, a climate change in the political world that is happening. And from CNN Plus collapsing, Rachel Maddow abandoning her daily TV show, uh, Netflix losing subscribers, uh, and of course the midterm elections are the big media or comet that's about to hit the Democratic Party and, and oh, oh, obliterate it. And I just think Musk is part of that wave, and he's a big part, and that's why the left is reacting so strongly, is, you know, if they can't control Twitter, they can't have their lies confirmed. Their, their false narratives are confirmed over Twitter. Twitter's the place where... Uh, they contend and have stories written and go on TV and say, oh, man, the police are just out here randomly and wildly uh, killing black, unarmed black men, and it's a travesty. And then you go to Twitter and everybody's confirming that thought. You go to the stats, the, da the data, the evidence, and it's just not true. There are a handful of examples that can all be matched if the media cared to show by examples of police misconduct, killing white people unarmed. Uh, but those things are, are never shown. And, and just quite frankly, if, if you're in a country as heavily armed as America, the police are going to make a handful of mistakes every year that you can point to and say, look, this is the example. It's not the example of what police are doing on a day-to-day basis. I've been black all of my life. I've moved in black neighborhoods, communities, all of my life. I never walked around with any fear of the police. Did I have some fear of perhaps gang members uh, or gangs in some of those communities? Absolutely. But th this myth that somehow black people are waking up every day, how am I going to survive my encounter with the police, is a joke, it's a lie, it's you know perpetuated by uh, black elites who sit on TV and have no experience in the black community. But if you go to Twitter, you know, that, that whole narrative is confirmed, and, and it's a narrative they use to, you know, destabilize the community and create all this animus towards police, and so there's more chaos in black communities, less police involvement in black communities, and a higher rate of violence and criminal activity because of their activity. And so you take Twitter away and Black Lives Matter never gets off the ground. That entire movement never happens. Cities aren't riot, uh, looted, rioted, burned to the ground uh, if Twitter doesn't confirm that narrative and promote that narrative. And Elon Musk being in control of Twitter is a threat to all that. The, abil the, the left's ability to provoke Antifa and Black Lives Matter to do violence on, on their behalf gets eliminated, the, the, the ability to threaten public officials, public intellectuals, people that go on TV with Twitter lynch mobs that they don't say the right thing. You, you can't, again, we spent years without being able to say comfortably, like, hey, you know what, Colin Kaepernick's stupid. He's afraid to talk and defend himself. Uh, when he was with the San Francisco 49ers, all he cared about was his tattoos and his abs. The guy's not very bright. Well, you can't say that because on Twitter you'd be called a racist if you were white. And if you're black and say that, you know, you're a sellout. LeBron James, 
this dude can't read past the first page of a book, and we're running around like he's Muhammad Ali or he's some great uh, sports public intellectual. He's just not. So that's why Elon Musk's acquisition of Twitter is so important. It's going to allow people to speak more confidently the truth rather than just confirming lies that the left wants confirmed. No question. Uh, listen, uh, it's uh, Jason Whitlock on the Bernie and Sid Show. And, of course, without Twitter censorship, uh, Jason, we wouldn't have the disaster known as Joe Biden as president right now. But let, let me move on to uh, you must know this guy. His name is he's a former NFL player, Jack Brewer. And he's a great guy. He's a very good Christian. And he's he's all about uh, taking care of young black boys in the inner cities and elsewhere, you know, just uh, – down on their luck, kids without fathers, and he got into he got into this critical race theory. He took a picture at a Ron DeSantis event, and the revolting racist Joy Reid uh, said that it was child abuse what he did. And the whole thing about critical race theory is that it teaches young black boys in our schools that they are that they can't make it. It teaches them, it tells them to dumb themselves down. It tells the teachers to dumb down the curriculum. And tells them that they cannot make it, and Jack Brewer is now in a fight with this Joy Reid, demanding an apology. Your thoughts on that, and of course the critical race theory in general, Jason Whitlock. Racial Maddow, as I like to call Joy Reid, <laughs> only exists because of Twitter. Again, if there was no Twitter, Racial Maddow, Joy Reid would have no job. But Twitter creates the belief that she speaks to this massive black audience. you got to have her if you want to be authentic. She's an idiot. She, she's not that bright. She, or, 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 you know, she went to Harvard, so there is some degree of intelligence. And, and I've met Joy Reid in a previous life when she was more authentic. And so either she's an idiot or she has no backbone and is willing to say and do anything to collect that MSNBC paycheck. And again, it's a reflection of Twitter's ability to distort reality, to intimidate and either confirm like, hey, this is what, if you want to reach black people, you have to have someone as stupid as Joy Reid talking to reach them. And I, I, I'm, Jack Brewer is considering uh, suing Joy Reid, and, and he should because she unfairly smeared him and uh, mis portrayed his efforts and work uh, in the black community. But, uh, again, Rachel Maddow is a pawn of the Democratic left. She's doing this for a paycheck. I love how they say that, you know, black conservatives are the ones selling out and doing it because of the, the paycheck. All the money the last decade has been thrown at Black people willing to repeat Democratic talking yep. points. Yep. Yep. All the money has yep. been thrown that way. And everybody that stands on truth, because I'm not political. I, I, I've never voted. I'm just pro-common sense and the truth. And that makes me look very conservative, very Republican. But I, I just enjoy and believe in the truth. You know, if anything, I'm a Christian. Uh, but... That's how distorted the world has become. If you stand on truth, uh, either you're a racist 
or you're a black person who has sold out black people because you stand on truth. Well, let me ask you this, Jason. You, you don't vote. You haven't voted, and you're not a political person. You're a common-sense person, and again, I'll... I'll repeat what I said earlier in this conversation. Me and Bernie love what you have to say because we consider ourselves the same thing. But when you consider what this administration has done, the worst in the history of this country, when you look at Democrat mayors and governors across this country, may it be time for you to start to vote? May it be time no, for Jason Whitlock to go vote? No? No, no, I, I'm going to vote. And, and, and it's really, there's a couple, two, three issues that have provoked me, but the number one issue at the top of my list is the sexuality and, gen- and gender agenda of the left. It's just it's just gone too far. It is clearly satanic. Wanting to talk teachers, wanting to talk to kindergartners, first graders, third graders about sexuality and gender. That I'm just that's just it's a bridge too far. These people have have completely lost their mind. They're trying to groom children into the LGBTQIA plus lifestyle. I'm not homophobic. I just think parents, if there's going to be any grooming of sexuality and gender, it needs to be done by parents, not teachers, not blue-haired, nose-ring uh, teachers. And so that that's just, I, I, as a Christian, I have no choice but to vote and get involved in, in, in the political situation just because the left and its agenda is too satanic to ignore. I love that, satanic, demonic. You're absolutely right, Jason Whitlock, here on the Bernie and Sid Show. Jason, uh, along those lines, for years now, there's been this effort to feminize males, men, in the United States here. Uh, of course, the masculinity is deemed toxic by these people Tell that to the, uh, the the concentration camps that were liberated during World War II, among many other examples. But uh, you made some uh, news the other day because you you said that uh, ESPN, you know, actually you accused Disney of uh, feminizing and wokeifying sports by buying ESPN. Uh, tell us about that, please, because you've taken some heat for it. Uh, I think it's crystal clear that uh, ESPN – has changed under Disney ownership. And Disney is one of the strongest forces in the diversity, inclusion, and equity agenda, D-I-E, D-I-E. Their agenda of applying racial, gender, sexuality quotas to every environment. And so under Disney, they prioritize, hey, we got to have more women uh, on air talking sports and on all of these platforms. doesn't matter whether they're qualified or not. Uh, what matters is do they look good on camera and are they women? Do they meet the – and so once you put a woman into traditional male places, and again, unqualified women that are primarily there because they look good, uh, not because they played sports, understand sports at any high level, uh, not because they have a, a genuine passion. They just see the opportunity. Well, man, ESPN's handing out these jobs, and maybe I'll become as popular as Aaron Andrews. And so all the Instagram models switch their majors <laughs> to sports broadcasting. It's true. It's and, true. And, and so once you drop 
a woman into an environment discussing sports with men, men are going to feminize their conversation. They're, they're going to be less truthful because you have to. Because a lot, And, again, I don't think these women have bad intentions. They're seizing an opportunity. But once they get in those positions and the only thing – that they really have strong to offer. If you can't, if 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 you're a woman on one of those broadcasts talking about the NFL and you don't know what a cover two is, <clears throat> you don't know uh, the basics of football, yeah. and and you can't talk. And then you're sitting there talking about it with former NFL players, people that understand it at the highest level. The only thing you can really offer is your passion about. Uh, well, is this guy sexist? Is this guy racist? Uh, is the NFL hiring enough minority coaches? They can talk on it because that conversation is so unsophisticated. Anybody can. Well, yeah, of course the NFL owners are racist. Yeah, right. That's the only explanation it could be. Right. And so they can talk about those things. And so that's why there's so much chatter about those things rather than the games and what's actually going on on the field because the conversations have had to be diminished to a level that women can equally participate, and that helps drive all the accusations of sexism, racism, homophobia. That's why uh, Michael Sam kissing his boyfriend on draft day becomes a big, much bigger deal. Everybody can talk about that. Everybody can have an opinion on that. Uh, you know. And so whether or not gays are treated well in the NFL or whatever, that can all be discussed with a woman, but just the way sports are traditionally discussed, it's much harder to do if there's an Instagram model sitting there who's never covered the sport in a real way. And again, because there are many women that have covered the sports in a real way, uh, but they tend to be more like Ramona Shelbourne, not the Instagram supermodel. She's a former college softball player and a former athlete who's covered the NBA in a real way, but you know Disney and every TV prefers the supermodels. Mm. And so the, the way we talk about sports has been feminized, and and men when they're around really attractive women are dishonest. Yep. You know we we never tell an attractive woman what we really think. Right. It could knock us out of the chance of you know eventual victory. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. it, uh, very just, interesting. The whole conversation yeah. has just been perverted. Now, you're right. And uh, by the way, you could have easily been describing wow. the vice president and not an ESPN sports analyst. Hey, a great job as always, Jason Whitlock. We love having you on. We're thrilled for your success. And we just ask that you keep coming back, buddy. Thank you so much, Jason. Thank you, Sid. Thank you, Bernie. All right, pal. Take care. Thank the great you. Jason Whitlock. Lots more to wow. do, including Bill O'Reilly and Rudy going nuts on Adams. Third hour is next. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. We are New York. Bernie and Sid in the morning. Talk Radio 77. WABC.
We love the pretenders on this show. Lou Rufino, Sid Rosenberg, Bernie McGurk, 804 on your beautiful sunny Thursday morning. Bit chilly today, but going to get real nice. Sunday, for example, 67 and sunny. And we will have temperatures in the 70s next week as we enter the month of May coming up the end of this weekend. This is hour number three. Jason Whitlock was great. We've covered a ton of stories already. But um, I have been promoting this all morning long, and that is Rudy Giuliani, who does a great show every weekday afternoon on this station at 3 o'clock. His take on Eric Eric Adams. And, you know, Byrne, you were just talking about how good you feel when you get validated. It happens with you quite a bit, and me a lot recently, too. But last night, for example. By the way, J- yeah. Jason Whitlock validated us. Yes. He said oh, you, you couldn't talk about uh, how stupid Colin Kaepernick or LeBron James is, yes. how they can articulate. Uh, and why they don't uh, go on shows to back up their opinions and their positions. We've always said because that. Because they're stupid. We have been saying that for years. For years. And that's why, even though you couldn't say it on Twitter, we said it here on the Bernie and Sid show, which is why people come to us for the truth. That's true. And I say that with an F at the end of the word yeah. truth. <laughs> which, which Colin and LeBron understand. He also validated us on the Tom Smosley argument, where he has not voted, and he said, I'm going back to vote. And the biggest reason why is what these what these people want our teachers to do to our kids when, in fact, that's a discussion that should be had at home. So that whole mm-hmm. interview was one big validation of you and I. But in terms of Eric Adams, uh, you know, I know that Greg Kelly, for example, it's personal. His father, Ray Kelly, called him a racist. Giuliani's tactics racist. So Greg has been there from day one, but... I think I was there before most of us. Uh, some folks started to come along the last couple of weeks. I got to tell you, there's a big funeral tomorrow in uh, Rockaway for that uh, we've been talking about this all week. Obviously, Timothy Klein, God rest his soul, and again our prayers go out to his parents. We don't know them, we don't know them, but we love them anyway. Patrick, Diane, the sisters, the whole family, and I can tell you for a fact, a fact, there's a lot of firemen who don't want to see Eric Adams at that funeral tomorrow. That's a fact. Just like when Rivera. And Mora got killed, those cops in Harlem, they didn't want him there either. And certainly not Kathy Hochul. But they're going to do the right thing because they're gentlemen and they're honorable guys. They're not going to turn their backs like de Blasio. But I can tell you that Eric Adams is not all that popular among the rank and file for the cops and or the fine. But he'll be there tomorrow. He'll say the right things and he'll cry and all that nonsense. But um, he is being exposed now day after day as a double talker, which we've said from day one. A guy that tries to appease both sides. Uh, a guy that uh, shows himself to be a big-time cop. He wasn't. He did nothing during his career but bitch and complain. Ray Kelly will tell you that. Bernie Carrick will tell you that. And uh, the more he talks, the more you start to find out that he is a Democrat through and through. And even when he shocks you, when he shocks you once in a while, you get the feeling, Bernie, he'd like to take it back. You get that feeling? Uh, absolutely. With, with each passing day, his credibility and his gravitas diminishes. With each passing day, and uh, today is no different because of the, the recent, you know, take pictures of the cops on their cell phone. Oh. Uh, take oh. pictures of cops, oh. point the cell phone at a cop, oh. which is the bane of police officers' existence today. These cell phones, when they're trying to do their job, this guy actually said that, urged the public yeah. to do it. Yeah. That is disgusting. That yeah. is terrible. That is as psychotic. I, I, there's no coming. There's no coming back no, from that. That's as psychotic as a last administration telling you if you see a guy on the subway without a mask, 
and Sid Rosenberg take his picture. That is not a democracy. And, and Eric Adams, A, just the, the general idea of taking pictures of people you think are doing something wrong is bad enough. But then to continue to demonize the cops and talk badly about the cops, I mean, I, if there are cops out there on the cell phones with their wives or their girlfriends, you know what? Don't bring it up. Just shut up. These guys and girls go through so much every day and have to go through so much rancor and dislike and all this nonsense. Even if it does happen once or twice a day, shut up. You're supposed to be defending the men and women in blue, not talking about spending time on the cell phone, you idiot. So forget about it. Do it internally. Right. Bring them into the office and say, do me a favor. If you need to make a bet, you know, wait till after the you're you're off off duty. So if you think Sid and Bernie go off on Eric Adams or Greg Kelly – goes up on Eric Adams. You have to hear <laughs> this rant. I mean, this was as good as it gets. The best I've heard yet from Rudy Giuliani, who, again, I made aware, because Rudy did not know, neither did Andrew, his son, that Eric Adams referred to Giuliani's successful tactics in fighting crime in New York City as racist. That's a fact. Did it time and time again in the Post and other papers. I want the David Dinkins era not Rudy Giuliani. So now Giuliani is starting to fire back. And this was his show yesterday. We've got three cuts. you got to hear all three. Here's cut number one. The state of the city, crime is up 45% since I've been in office. People have been leaving in droves since I'm in office. Hope has gotten worse since I'm in office. Hmm? The economy hasn't improved. The quality of life... My God, it smells in certain parts of the city, and homelessness has gotten worse. Hey, Adams, you're worse than de Blasio. You just talk nicer. And you want to attack me? You picked the wrong guy. By the way, uh, we said the same exact thing yesterday. In fact, I tweeted it, that Adams is worse than de Blasio. You may think he's got his heart is in the right place. He's not as lazy. And all those things may be true. But you're judged by your team's success, right? When Joe Torre couldn't win games, when he was managing the Cardinals and the Braves and the Mets, he was a terrible manager. Then Joe Torre came to the Yankees, got Derek Jeter and uh, Bernie Williams and Andy Pettit, and he won four World Series, and now he's a Hall of Famer. He's the same guy he was when he managed in Atlanta, but he had Hall of Famers. You're judged by what happens on the field. And what's happening on the field in New York, despite Eric Adams' intentions, is awful. Here's cut number two from the great Rudy Giuliani. When you get to criticize me, how about you reduce crime, idiot? I reduced it by 65%. I save the lives of your people when your crooked black politicians didn't do a damn thing for Harlem. And I had to deal with them. And I had to deal with the phony press that protected them. The guys who made millions from inner-city broadcasting, selling it out, and didn't do a damn thing for your people, just like the people in Chicago don't do a damn thing for the people in Chicago. Fifty years of democratic rule and white young men, I mean black young men being wiped out. So go join them, phony. You're no cop. You're a bull artist. You're no cop. Wow, idiot, you're no cop, you're a phony. I mean, Rudy, not pulling any punches here. And uh, Bernard, listening audience, here's a third and final cut, once again, 
courtesy of the Rudy Giuliani Show. This was yesterday at 3 p.m. right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. He sounds nice. He talks nice. Go talk to the cops who work with him. He's no cop. I don't know. I don't know if Bratton and Kelly and I know Bernie will tell you the truth. I think Kelly will tell you the truth. I know what he tells me. I know what Howard Safer would tell you. He told me the other day. The guy was a bull-ass cop. Hey, Adams, who did you arrest? You ever get in a shootout? Did you ever save a partner's life? Hmm? How much complaining did you do? Phony complaints about the majority-minority police department, the best one in the United States for minority relationships that you slandered. So forget about Sid Rosenberg or Bernie McGurk or Greg Kelly. There you got Rudy Giuliani talking about conversations he's had with guys who were his bosses, right? Howard Safer, Bernie Carrick. You mentioned Bernie. I mentioned Ray Kelly. mentioned Bratton. And nobody can seem to find anybody that can step up and say, you know what? Not only was this guy a cop, but he was a good cop. So what do we have? We have decades of service where he did nothing, basically, and then he promises you that he's going to fix this city, and the city is getting worse. And he tells you he's pro-police on a Tuesday, and then he eviscerates the police on a Wednesday for being on cell phones, which, by the way, were given to these cops by the city. Eric Adams should know that. So it's pretty simple, I think, at this point, Bernard. Uh, you always talk about how America is waking up. And you're right, man. You are right. You're smart. People are starting to figure it out. Eric Adams, he's part of that. Yep. Uh, 2022 is the year, but he is definitely part of it. He's been exposed. Listen, he's had, uh, what, 115 days to, to prove something. I don't know what. But as Rudy Giuliani points out, it's all about results. More people are getting murdered. More people are getting robbed. There's more uh, bums sleeping on the street. I mean, it's, it's just gross. It's about results. He's not getting any results. Despite the media's pumping him up, jacking him up, you know, and he looks good in his suits, and he says some of the right things on these uh, you know, TV shows. He's not getting it done. And then, as you pointed out, as Rudy pointed out, as we pointed out yesterday, he tells people to take to, 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 to videotape police officers. Come on. I mean, that's the worst thing in the world you can tell the public to do to a police officer. Yep. Uh, so he's no friend of the cops. That, that's been proven by just, you know, exhorting people to go out there and uh, videotape police. He's no friend of the police. He doesn't know what he is. He just wanted the fame. My humble opinion, it was just a position. He wanted the fame. He's incompetent. He's stupid. He can't even – he's not that smart. He's not that bright. And uh, now we're stuck with him for four years, just like we're stuck with Joe Biden for the next two and a half years, next two years. And we're no better off with him than de Blasio. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear Give him more time. And and stop calling him articulate. He's not articulate. He's just not. Okay, stop. He's not. Stop. He's not articulate. Not at all. Please. He dresses nice. He he presents himself well, but he is not articulate. He butchers the English language almost every single press conference. And listen, I don't want to attack the guy uh, for stuff like that, but the truths are the truths. I mean... People yeah, tend- Keechon, Keechon Sewell is articulate. Yes, he's yes, not. Right. Uh, people tend to heap praise on this guy in places where it's just not true. And, uh, you know, he, he's got a job to do. And, 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 and you know, look, the, the truth is in the, the proof is in the pudding. Uh, who, what has he done? Who are his friends? I watch him sit there every week with Al Sharpton and, uh, you know, Mika and Joe. And who's the guy on Sundays whose father was a big star? He's a putz, good basketball player. Geist. 
Guys, yes, very Willie good, guys. very good, Bernie. Right, Willie Guys. He sits there with these guys all the time. He sits there on New York One, which has that racist moron Errol Lewis on every Monday night. He will, every once in a blue moon, make a quick appearance on Fox News, once in a blue moon. But this guy is consistently sitting with some of the biggest haters in the history of these of this country on these liberal networks day in and day out. That is, that's who he is. He is a guy, once again, folks, let me remind you, that called himself the Biden of Brooklyn. That's Eric Adams. Yep, he's a media whore. He's a Chuck Schumer-type media whore. He loves the attention. He loves the perks of the job, the celebrity status that, that he's attained, that he's achieved by becoming mayor. But apparently he doesn't want to do the tough work. It took him uh, two or three months to, to, to implement this anti-crime, anti-gun unit. It took him months to, to, to go back to broken windows, which he denies he's doing, which, of course, he is doing in a desperate attempt to turn things around. But it took him a long time to come yep. to these uh, realizations that, you know, the, to go back to, as one police officer said, the right way to do things. It took him a long time to do that, and as a result, the city has gotten much, much worse under his uh, yeah. under his mayoralty. It's just, no doubt. It's just awful. It's a fact. So I don't care that he called out BLM. I don't care. That's great. That's too easy, folks. That And I know you're going to say, well, he is a lot. it's way too easy to call out Hawk Newsom and BLM, especially after all these stories have surfaced about them spending millions of dollars on Beverly Hills mansions. Now he can do that, and basically it's not going to bother him. So if that's the, the height of his mayoral run, that he actually called out BLM, folks, we are in big trouble for the next three years. So, Eric Adams, stop lying about the gays and the bills down in Florida. Stop uh, maligning your own police officers. Don't take credit for an arrest when a guy calls, a fat guy calls from McDonald's and turns himself in. Do your job, shut up, and defend the cops in this city. Okay? Just do that for us. Yeah. Let's get some results here, pal, okay? Yeah. Before, and, 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 and lose the uh, race baiting as well. He did that once with with the press. More than once. He's just yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you're uh, right. No, he, he did it once with the press, but he's referred to cops, the white cops, as crackers. He's so uh, he's told the white journalists like me and you to shut up. So just do your job, Eric. Okay, do what you promised. Do what you promised and help save the city. Because right now you are a failure with a capital F. Back after this. This is Lydia reports on 77 WABC. Here's Lydia Serrani. Well, it looks like cable news viewers aren't fans of radical, racist, leftist policies, specifically those spewed by MSNBC host Joy Reid. I know that is very shocking to you. Did you know her show only only launched in July 2020? I feel like it's been around a lot longer. Well, she's been around a lot longer. She was an analyst on all these shows. She's been at MSNBC a lot longer, spewing her racist garbage. So, yes, her own show is only a few years old, but she's been a racist on that network for many, many years. Well, she finished April with record low viewership, down 51% from when the show first launched. Every single Fox News show in April, including Fox and Friends, which airs from 4 a.m. to 6 a.m., actually beat her show. This is what she said. I know we've been playing like what Don Lemon and all these crazy. Listen to what she says about not only Twitter and Elon Musk. She says about right wingers. I want you to take a close listen to what she says, what right how right wingers feel about Jewish people on Twitter. 
Take a listen. The, the thing is, the, the enjoyment they get out of being in this town square is being able to harass people, being able to attack people. There was a time when people had the double hashtags around their names because they were Jewish, and right-wingers were saying, get in the oven anytime you made any benign comment on Twitter. They attacked women. The, the, you know, the misogyny was crazy on Twitter for a while. Elon Musk, I guess he, you know, he misses the old South Africa in the 80s. He wants, he wants that back. There you go. Uh, so that's what Jason Jason Whitlock called a racial Maddow. Yeah, racial Maddow. Uh, that's uh, this woman, woman Joy Reid, who, by the way, speaking to Jews, she's down with the uh, squad, the anti-Jewish, the anti-Israel, the anti-Semitic squad. She's an anti-Semite herself, a racist and a homophobe. She has a history of homophobia. Uh, a Twitter account. Speaking of which, uh, a Twitter account, a, a long history. She said she was hacked. That's a lie. The FBI looked into it. They found nothing. She is a liar and a phony, a racist, and a piece of garbage. Yeah, I mean, that, 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 I, think, I think she's been around Farrakhan, too, but that's a complete lie because I can tell you as a proud Jewish person, and I'm not as, as observant as uh, Heshi Ogabam, I get it, but I'm a proud Jew. If I ever saw anybody, including a Republican, they don't get any, any, uh, any way from me, make any jokes about putting Jews in the oven, believe me. It would be on this show the next morning, and believe me, I'd be making a big deal about it. I've got 33,000 followers on Twitter. I'm on it every day. I've never once, never once seen any Republican make a joke like that. So I wish you could just provide some real detailed information because I've never seen it once. Well, that would yeah. make her an actual journalist if she actually provided some facts or some data or some context to all the outrageous statements that she makes. Meantime, you have the ESPN anchor, Sage Steele. You know who she is, uh, sure. Sid, obviously. Yeah, yeah, sure. She's suing after like she was benched for speaking out against the vaccine mandates and Barack Obama's decision to call himself black because she identifies as biracial. So she's now suing ESPN because she blasted the vaccine mandates. And she says that the network forced her to apologize and blocked her from big stories. And she's suing uh, the network for violating her free speech rights. And she, so we'll see. We'll see her lawsuits originating in Connecticut. But, I mean, why do we have this double standard? you got one black woman, Joy Reid, who can say these crazy things. She still keeps her show. Her ratings are in the toilet. Sage Steele actually did very well in the ratings. She, she, I know the viewers really, really liked her. But because she identified as biracial and criticized the almighty leader of Barack Obama and the COVID vaccine mandates, she lost her job. So we have she this hypocrisy going on, of course. She wasn't a woke tard, essentially. That's right. She, uh, back before woke tards uh, was a thing, she was a uh, she wasn't a liberal. She was actually a middle of the road kind of person who questioned uh, LeBron James, et cetera, et cetera. And that's where she drew ESPN's ire, and resulting in her whatever happened to her now, resulting in this lawsuit. It goes way back to that. But uh, yeah, Joy Reid. You know what? She's. Uh, I'll tell you what. She may be playing a, a, a game, a successful game, because everybody's talking about Joy Reid. We play her clips left and right. I mean, maybe this is exactly what she wants. Is but but still, what she's saying is inflammatory. It's poison, and uh, we know she's a hateful, bitter, uh, racist, anti-Semite, homophobe. We know that for a fact, and she can't hide that. But she uh, glosses over it and pretends like she's not. I mean, you can't say anything if it just depends on which side of the aisle that you're on.
By the way, Elon Musk, did you see his latest tweet about he actually recreated the meme? So there was a popular meme going around saying he said, uh, you know how like they create like a tweet, a fake tweet. And it said, I'm going to buy Coca-Cola, put the cocaine back in it. He actually tweeted that out last night. So you have a lot of people that are very excited that there's a possibility. And I mean, obviously, the guy must be joking, but this is what he tweeted out. So the guy clearly has a sense of humor. Yeah, this is what he, he tweeted. Next, I'm buying Coca-Cola to put the cocaine back in. <laughs> that was the tweet. That was ex- the exact tweet. I love it. He's a, he's a, he's a knucklehead. He's right. a b- brilliant knucklehead. And it's so refreshing to have a guy like him come into the, enter the scene and to turn everything upside down and, and try to level the playing field for, well, for everybody. He's not really taking sides. He just wants to level the playing field. It, it's not the, 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 these woke cards. They're not afraid that you're going to see disinformation on Twitter now. They're afraid that you're going to see the truth. That's what they're afraid of. And he's going to bring it, allow the truth to be seen on Twitter from both sides. As, Listen, as, as I can understand. Even if it was Trump, you know, I'm a Trump supporter. I, I, you know, I voted for him. If he bought Twitter, I'd be concerned about it because I don't think anybody political should be buying a social media platform. It, it always concerns me when you see somebody like Jeff Bezos, that he bought the Washington Post and you can see where his political leanings are. But he's not a politician. Elon Musk has never said that he's a right winger. He's never said that. All he's advocated for By the way, is he's, he's, not, he's not even close to a right winger. No. Not even no, close. He's, he's a libertarian. Right. Is. Right. I know. So then why are they so worried? Oh, why are on. they so worried? Why? why? Because well, he's going to allow people like Trump back on. He's going to allow right. the Republicans back on. That's why they're worried. He's, he's going to allow, uh, you know, like stories like the laptop from hell when they arise. Right. To be, be present on Twitter. That's why they're afraid of him, because he's going to allow the truth to be seen on Twitter, and they can't handle the truth because the tr- truth, because they're on the wrong side of every issue. They're on the wrong side of everything. You name it, they're on the wrong side. Defund the police, allowing uh, you know pervert teachers to groom kids in schools. They're on the wrong side. They know it, and so the only way they can win is to lie and to censor. That's it. And they're afraid now. So now, for example, we originally heard that Hunter Biden's business partner, uh, was at the White House 19 times. Well, that has been amended. It turns out, as of yesterday, he has been there 27 times. <laughs> so you get to tweet that yesterday and go, oops, our bad, 19 to 27, and that's the last thing Democrats want to see. Lydia, as always, excellent job. What's coming up at 5? What's coming up at 5? I have no idea. That's the John Katzmatidi show. He's like an orchestra. He, what is it? A maestro with the orchestra. And we always have the latest breaking news. Yesterday we had an, a former INS agent who is a registered Democrat blasting Biden's border policy, saying we're, we're basically, he was also on the 9-11 commission, Michael Cutler, saying he's making us susceptible to another 9-11 attack. And I've been saying this for so long that President Biden is not only allowing sex trafficking, human trafficking, drug trafficking he's aiding and abetting it he's aid it's just he's an accomplice in the destruction of america we're under attack there's an invasion going on as we speak at our border i know title 42 is in place now and everybody's all excited about it but that doesn't stop the fact that we had over two hundred thousand illegal migrants cross the border and they're flying into an airport what 10 miles away from me so here we are and that's those are the kind of issues we talk about that no one else Wants to touch in the mainstream media, the truth and nothing but the truth. Cats at night, 5 o'clock. You don't want to miss it. Lydia Serrani, thank you, Lydia. Traffic and sports. And Bill O'Reilly coming up next. But right now it is time for the 77 WABC Clip of the Day. Listen to one tough podcast with Bo Deedle.
One Tough Podcast, folks, on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Here, Bo Talks, Eric Adams. Uh, take it away, Lou. Eric Adams, again, you are the mayor of New York City. You're America's mayor automatically because New York City is the greatest city in the world. And, Eric, you should support your cops, and you should go to city council and retract that. And as long as that cop is doing their job properly, that should be taken off. Let the cops know that you truly, truly support them. And I think that's a very big issue, and I would love for you to, to deal with that, too. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do it live! Hey, Bill O'Reilly here, and you are listening to Bernie and Sid. God help you. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Bernie, coming up next hour, your chance at cash and prizes. But we take this time every Thursday morning, Bernie and Sid, we put it aside for a guy that uh, was the best, still is the best, and will always be the best. That's the bottom line. He's the greatest in the history of our business, and we've got numbers to prove that. His name is Bill O'Reilly. And whether he's hosting a show on WABC 9 p.m. weeknights or his own website, which does tremendous BillOReilly.com, real place for news, great shows, great interviews, all that stuff. You see why he is what he is. His uh, Killing series is Killing It. In fact, his uh, latest book is about to come out this month. Very, very exciting. And, of course, he had that uh, epic two-state tour with President Donald Trump in Texas and Florida not that long ago. And I tell you this, when people talk to me about Bill O'Reilly on with Bernie and said they go, we know how astute and brilliant he is when it comes to politics, but... He's funny. He's really funny. Bill, I got to tell you, that's how I get the most from people who hear you with Bernie and I when we get these monster ratings when you hop on the show. Well, sadly, it's they're laughing at me. So, I mean, that's the problem. You know, it's like uh, Wonderama. Remember that show? I love that show. I, I, yeah, I, I want a baseball. I mean, the, host, the host was so bad, all the kids were laughing at him. My parents thought I liked Wonderama. I said, that guy's a dweeb. Look at him. <laughs> You ain't no Sonny Fox or Bill O'Reilly. Oh, That's for damn sure. Oh, good one, Bernie. Very good, Sonny yeah. Fox. How about that? Listen, guys, I, I hope you can give me two minutes at the end of the segment to uh, Killing Killers out May 3rd, but today is the Abu Ghraib anniversary of the story that broke in 2004, and I want oh, wow. to tie that in. Absolutely. But I was listening to you guys earlier about uh, Adams and uh, the problems that he's actually making for himself. And I, and I had a couple of thoughts. Would that be okay? Could I get your permission uh, to do that? By all Absolutely. means. Yes. Okay. yes. So, number one, uh, I don't think it's fair to compare Adams to de Blasio. De Blasio's eight years were horrifying. And, and I mean that word literally. He did so much to the damage to this city. It's going to take years to recover from that. And that man, uh, I'm not a psychiatrist, but that was 
um, something that rarely is seen. It was almost like he wanted to destroy New York City. That's how bad his policies were. Adams is making a couple of uh, mistakes that um, I would advise him to think about. Number one, I think it's wrong to disparage his public service. I, I think people who do that should uh, stop. He was a New York City police officer, Not a good and one. that should be respected. We don't know. We didn't march in his shoes for those years. So let's put that aside. Number two, the fundamental mistake that Adams is making actually is two mistakes. When he was elected, I said, look, you need to make a statement, not verbally. You need to do something to show the people of New York that you're serious about getting this city back in shape. And that, and I offered up a very simple thing, clean up Penn Station. I, your humble correspondent, could do that in three days. Bernie and Sid could probably do it in two days, okay? You flood the zone with police. You at first tell the people down there who are causing mayhem, this is a public facility that is devoted to transit. You are a public safety hazard. You have to leave. And if you don't, we are forcibly going to remove you. That's number one. You get them all out. Number two, you bring in the New York Sanitation Department. You get all the garbage and filth out, all the graffiti all of that is scrubbed. And number three, then you post officers down there so that the miscreants don't come back. You can do it in three days. Why hasn't, why hasn't Adams done it? Because that sends a signal across the board, we're not fooling around anymore. This city is going to return to civility and normalcy. But he didn't do it. Now, the biggest mistake that Adams is making is that he is operating in a color zone, skin color. So what Eric Adams has to ask himself is this. Do I want to be Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago, who governs on a skin color gender basis? Is that what I want to do? Okay? So if you do that, Mr. Mayor, it's going to be four years of dividing the 8.5 million people that live in the city. Is that a good strategy? I don't think so. No. I've lived in this city. I know this city as well as any human being on this earth. And I will tell you, most New Yorkers, I'll put the number at 85%, want good relations between the skin colors. They don't want racial strife. And they work, and they help each other. Okay? That's what I've seen. And if I'm wrong, let me know. But I don't think so. The regular folks don't want to divide the population along skin color lines. So knock it off. And finally, the final thing I'm going to say is that Giuliani, is, is he's right to get upset. All right, he is. And he's right to point out that he, using very, very disciplined police measures, turned this city around in a public safety way. And that Adams is no right to demonize Giuliani on any level, because Adams hasn't done anything. He was elected. That's it. He hasn't accomplished anything, no. whereas Giuliani did. So Adams needs to really stop and think about this. And the cell phone garbage with the cops and everything else, this is pernicious. Word of the day, this is harmful. And to promote that is stupid. 
And that's all I have to say. Very well done. And, 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 nicely done, Bill. Well, very well said, Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Bill O'Reilly, it's been a week now since the, the news broke Thursday uh, of last week that Elon Musk was taking over Twitter, that he was actually going to buy it. It was official. So now he's taking it over, and it has been seismic. The response on the left, uh, they're, they're losing their minds. It's like November 2020, when, uh, 2016, excuse me, when Trump was first elected. And so uh, what are your thoughts in the intervening week uh, of all that has happened and the, the actual takeover by Musk of Twitter? Yeah, nobody knows this, but Musk tried to take over BillOReilly.com. <laughs> yeah. And I told him, and I said, if you do, I'm going to come move into your house. You're going to have to see me every day. Yeah. And that was the end and of the And by the way, and by the way, you can't buy BillOReilly.com for $45 billion. He's got to come up with more money than that. Well, you can't buy it for anything. It's a private company run by a dictator, and that's me. Um, so Musk is now the second most powerful person in the United States of America. And that, that's pretty shocking, but he is. Only the president's more powerful than Musk. Because when he moves in there, he can design and he can execute that company any way he wants. So the hypocrisy, obviously, is, is on display. I mean, you have all of these far left. Oh, we loved it when you didn't run the Hunter Biden story. That was all right. Suppressing that story was good. We <laughs> loved it when you threw Trump off so he couldn't say anything. We loved it. But now... You might let them back. You might actually cover the news. And the imitation I'm doing is a commentator on MSNBC. Okay, that, that's who I'm doing right there. Okay, so everybody knows, all right? But if you look at history, every single progressive left government has done this. You start with the Russian Revolution. You start with the Bolsheviks. You work up to Mao. You work up to Castro. Everyone has suppressed freedom of expression. And so the progressive mentality is like in the DNA. If you're a progressive loon, all right, this is what you do. This is life air. We don't want to hear the opposing point of view because we don't respect it. If, you're, if you disagree with me, you're a racist. Isn't that the mantra? If you disagree yes, with me, you're yes, a racist. Yes, all day long. Yeah. That's all you hear. So um, I'm enjoying uh, the angst on the part of the far left. Um, it's, it, you know, a lot of these people are shrewd and they don't want to say it publicly, but I think it's a hundred percent down the line. They fear Elon Musk as they should. And, uh, he is going to restore some of that freedom of speech that we've been complaining about that you just pointed out so well uh, over the last couple of years, uh, talking about the left, uh, another week of, uh, bumbling mistakes from Joe Biden. Uh, again, nothing you can point to that says, okay, I, we, we do this with you with Donald Trump, Bill. Come on on a Thursday. How was the week for Donald Trump? Some weeks you said, eh, not a great week. Some weeks you said, boy, that was a really good week. I don't remember, if ever, the last time you said, that was a pretty good week. How about this week? Well, it's a pretty good week for Biden because he didn't do anything. <laughs> and now that's, to me, that's a good week. Right. So on Monday... Because we do a schedule every day on the No Spin News, and you can hear that, of course, on WABC at 9 p.m. On Monday, the only thing on Biden's schedule was he met with the Tampa Bay Lightning, who won the Stanley Cup last year. <laughs> that was it. The whole day. That's all he oh, did. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess they just talked around. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Very good. Sonny Fox. Very good. Thank you. Okay. Tuesday. Tuesday? Nothing. Nothing. No. No. I... I, there was a rumor he was interviewing the Easter Bunny for a national security <laughs> position, but nothing. And then yesterday he went to the funeral 
uh, in Washington of the former Secretary of State. Um, and that was it. So Jeez. Biden, what I see here is this isn't an accident. And so there, the White House, the people who run Biden, including his wife, Jill, who is the most powerful presence in the White House now, okay, they basically say, look, we got to just keep them away, and it's going to get worse this summer. I mean, most of us get, you know, a couple of weeks vacation, and, uh, well, nobody's going to Disney World anymore. That place is going to be like a ghost town. Um, but Good. Biden's going to get, you know, three months vacation. I mean, it's, you're not going to see him. He's going to be out there in Rehoboth, Delaware, nice place, by the way. Um, and he's going to be walking around on the beach with a mask by himself. And they're going to go, is that the president? Yeah, he's got the mask. That's how I recognize him. Um, so they're keeping him pretty much walled off from anything because the man is going downhill and he really wasn't close to the top of the hill in the first place and i no. believe that is an accurate assessment but the uh the, the reports of these visitor logs of hunter biden's business associate visiting yep. the white house 26 times plus turned out yesterday a report from the daily mail if true Biden paid $800,000 worth of legal bills related to Hunter's Chinese business dealings. And he says he didn't discuss any of this with Hunter. Are we stupid, Bill? All the walls closing in. There's a little more subtlety to it. Number one, don't ever believe anything in the Daily Mail. That's just not uh, a reliable source for anything. Number two, the White House did keep logs, and associates of Hunter Biden went to the White House a number of times, as you pointed out, accurately. That is true because it's in stone in the law. But we don't know who they visited uh, on all occasions. There isn't any visit to the vice president himself or to President Obama. There isn't any in the law. So well, they were I mean, visiting... but we're not stupid. Not only that, but you, I, I believe there was one. One directly to the vice president, Joe right, maybe, Biden. Maybe that's right. Yeah, I, I, you know, we did it last night. I, but he was. They were in the White House. A business uh, people yeah. associated with Hunter Biden were in the White House. It's not easy to get in the White House. That had to be approved by Joe. There's only that's the only way that those people associated with Hunter Biden could have gotten in is if Joe Biden approved it. That's it. So he did. Then the uh, email on the laptop, which was suppressed by the social media, just want to remind everybody, (laughs) clearly says that Joe Biden's going to pay the tax bill and other expenses for Hunt, H-U-N-T. That's how it was put in the – and that was written by Hunter Biden's top associate. Okay, and cc'd to Hunter. That's how it got into the laptop. Mm. So Biden did pay for his son. We don't know exactly how much, but it's hundreds of thousands of dollars. So this is a dark cloud, obviously. But I think you want to be methodical in how you report it. You don't want to, you know, because I do think there's going to be an indictment on Hunter Biden. And then all hell's going to break right, loose. Right, because we want the other big guy. We don't want Hunter. Uh, so on the way out, you talked about killing of the killers. This is a killing series which has done incredibly well. By your own admission, Bill, you have said on this show and other places, the investigative reporting done in this book may be your best work yet. Yes. And, and you want to date back to something that happened 18 years ago. Tell us about that. My anniversary today of Abu Ghraib, 
those who follow the news will know what I'm talking about. 60 Minutes exposed that um, CIA and some American military were torturing terrorist suspects in Iraq. Everybody remembers. Big of course. Thing. Left went crazy. Bomb, 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 bomb. George W. Bush had to come out. And I'm going to do a whole thing tonight on common sense uh, on that. However, coerced interrogation still goes on to this day. All right? Now, whether it's torture or not, I can't define it because I didn't see it. We don't do it anymore. We, the United States, we subcontracted out. Baku al-Baghdadi, the head of ISIS, you remember, was tracked down and killed by U.S. Special Forces. Remember that? Yes, sure do. He was one of the most evil men ever to live on this planet. What he did to Kayla Muller, 24-year-old Arizona relief worker, is horrifying. Which you lay out brilliantly in Killing the Killers, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Without the coerced interrogation of the courier who they arrested in Turkey, they never would have gotten al-Baghdadi. So, you're a parent listening to us right now. Your daughter is being held by al-Baghdadi and ISIS. They are taunting you directly by sending you emails. Comes to you, should we use coerced interrogation? What do you say? Are you kidding me? Uh, maybe I know the parents begged them. Begged him, please, just get it done. He was yeah, raping okay. her every so, day, raping if, her every day. If that's the case, and I think 90% of people listening to us right now would say, go ahead. Right. Go get the information. Right. Okay? So then why do we allow the corrupt corporate media to define it differently? That's the definition. And when you read Killing the Killers, as you guys have, I walk you through this. Yep. Like you're in the room with Kayla Muller yep. and al-Baghdadi. And then when they finally get him, you're going to put the book down, Killing the Killers, and applaud. <laughs> That's what you're going right. to do. That's true. You're right. You're right. That's exactly, it's, like, no. it's like Rocky winning the fight. You're literally going to stand up and start to applaud. That's right. And we're doing that today. Nobody knows about it. Okay, Government doesn't tell anybody about it. But it's happening. And I want... They call... They call black ops sites, no, Bill? Yep, and and they're yeah. worldwide. Um, there's a big one in Romania, and you'll get all of that information in Killing the Killers, and you have never seen information like this before. Which is, you know, how I'm promoting the book, which is out next Tuesday. Thank you guys for reading it. I really appreciate it. Oh, of course, right. It's a pleasure and an honor, and it right. is an honor to have you on the program, Bill O'Reilly, on the Bernie and Sid show. Go to BillOReilly.com. Bill O'Reilly will be heard tonight at nine o'clock on WABC. And uh, uh, good luck with Killing the Killers. We'll, we'll speak to you next week, Bill. Thank you. Okay, guys. Stay strong. Thanks for having me. You too. Bye. Great job as always, Bill. Thank you. And duck, by the way, duck, because our players are getting beaten in the head almost every single day. Uh, we'll take a short break. We'll come back and wrap things up. Bernie, it's been a tremendous show. Jason Whitlock and Bill O'Reilly were both great. We'll play Beat Bernie and get more thoughts from Bernie and Sid, the fourth and final hour, about to come your way. Bernard McGurk. Unacceptable is throwing your beer can on the subway tracks. <laughs> Sid Rosenberg. I don't believe it's a three-man race. Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, Luke Legrano, who is the first quarterback to go in tonight's NFL draft? What are you hearing? 
Uh, so I believe it's going to be Kenny Pickett out of Pittsburgh. I think he's going to go to Carolina at number six. There has been a little bit of talk of Malik Willis, the quarterback out of Liberty, going to Detroit at number two, though. Oh, no! Who's yeah, the, the, lose the, all upset. the Lions quarterback right now? Jared the, Goff. Oh, Jared Goff, right, right. A couple years ago, played in the Super Bowl against Tom Brady, and uh, now I think they won one game last year. Anyway, you'll get more of that, uh, that analysis uh, every week oh, on, can't the, wait. on the great <laughs> podcast with uh, Luke Legrano, Justin Ellick, and Mike Dedino, the guys behind the glass. Lou Rufino's behind the glass, and we'll be back in front of the glass, but at the dev with the news. New York, Bernie and Sid in the morning. Hot Radio 77. WBC. Get to this. Back here on the Bernie and Sid Show, heard everywhere on that 77 WABC. And yes, it is dynamite. Download that app, ladies and gentlemen. You will not regret it. We're also heard simulcast out on Eastern Long Island, News Talk 107.1 FM. Hampton Bays and Points East. You can watch us at WABCRadio.tv on your smart TV on your computer. On your computers, excuse me. And uh, I will say it was a dynamite show today. So we have an hour left. We're going to cover a lot more. But uh, Jace, between Jason Whitlock and Bill O'Reilly, man, there's a lot of wisdom right there. And they they, they never disappoint, neither no, one of them. Those I were mean, two terrific. great guests. And then you add in all the news uh, that you brought to the table and then the Tom Swazi story going further with Frank Morano overnight, and then Woody Giuliani, what he had to say about Eric Adams. And look, you know, to Bill's point, we've been over this a million times. Yes, I think Eric cares more about Bill de Blasio did. That's all true. Um, but when he says it's unfair to compare the two, I, you know, Bill's a sports guy, and we constantly compare managers to managers, players to players, and it's all based on what you've done, not intent. So I would disagree with Bill in that you can blame Eric Adams. You can compare the two because he made you a promise. He made you a promise he was going to fix it. And 115 days in, if it was stagnant, a little better, it's actually much worse. So I'm sorry. He doesn't get a pass. You can compare the two despite the intentions. Right now, the city is worse off under Eric Adams than Bill de Blasio. That's a fact. Well, I guess Bill's point to me is that Bill de Blasio intentionally wanted to destroy the city, where wow. Eric Adams genuinely wants to fix it, but he just can't. He's To me, to you, he's, he seems incompetent. Yeah. He seems late to the game on a lot of issues. I think that's Bill's point, was de Blasio was evil, and Adams, despite his past as a troublemaker, a malcontent and all that stuff, Mm. He genuinely wants to clean. He he wishes crime would go down. Where you get the the feeling 
that Bill de Blasio, he liked when cops were getting... What if I told you that, right, what if I told you that de Blasio wore his heart on his sleeves, he was a a low-life, progressive, disgusting animal, and Eric Adams is no different, but he's acting as if he is. I mean, listen, he called himself the Biden of Brooklyn. So once you compare yourself to Joe Biden, the worst president in the history of this country... Now you've really maligned yourself. So it may be as simple as they're the same guy. But one guy at least was honest in Bill de Blasio. He, he, he told you where he was coming from. This other guy is, is a wolf in sheep's clothing, which could be worse. What it if I told be. you that? Could be. Well, uh, it's valid, valid. You, you have that opinion. It's possible. And uh, we're going to see how it plays out. But uh, maybe premature. Uh, I guess that's the whole thing. It's only been about three and a half months. That's Bill O'Reilly's opinion. So, uh, you know, I respect his opinion. Not just his. A lot of people say it's too short. So give me, what's the time span, Bernie, that you think is fair, fair to seriously judge him? Well, listen, right now is a good, still, it's not a bad time because, I mean, things haven't gotten a a bit worse. They've gotten a lot worse. Right. So it's it's fair to criticize him on that basis alone after three and a half months. But uh, I don't know. I guess... To be fair, maybe you want to give him a year or something like that. Okay. To uh, it's a long time to suffer to say at the end of the year that no, this guy sucks. He's failing. We got to do something, a course correction. But uh, I would say, I, 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 you know, being objective, I would give him a year or something like that. I think that's fair. Hey, listen, uh, more local news before we move on to some of the more national stuff. Uh, of course, a big, uh, huge blow to the uh, cheating, uh, corrupt. Democrats here in New York State, a judge threw out this whole new uh, gerrymander uh, uh, law, whatever it was, assignment. Uh, The state legislature appointed a bunch of corrupt bureaucrats, a committee to change to uh, to change up uh, congressional districts to screw Republicans and to uh, help Democrats. Of course, most egregious example would be that one district was made up of both the Bronx and Westchester. And Long Island. I mean, are you kidding me? What a conspicuous display of uh, corruption is that? Mm. That, What what do the Bronx and Westchester have in common with Long Island? (laughs) Nothing. 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 It just was done to help get a Democrat elected. So they threw it out yesterday, and the upshot is it's going to probably help uh, Republicans. Well, it will help Republicans. I think they're going to try to to, uh, redesign the districts in the interim between now and the primaries. And it turns out that the result will, the net result will be that the primaries, which were scheduled to take place in June, are going to take place maybe in August. And that may be uh, the net result. We don't know yet. Nicole Maliotakis, of course, she's the congresswoman from Staten Island and parts of Brooklyn. She was going to be victimized by part of this, even though she maintained she still would have won, given the fact that we're going to have this humongous red wave coming up here in November. But anyway, she said this yesterday about this whole... Uh, gerrymandering uh, stuff being thrown out, cut 27 Louis. Here you had one party rule in Albany changing the boundaries, changing the rules to tilt the scale to favor their candidates, and they got caught. really was a blatant slap in the face of New Yorkers who said they didn't want political gerrymandering. There you go. Uh, So uh, it was a blatant slap. She's right about that. And uh, congratulations, Nicole, on that ruling yesterday. That will help. Oh, that'll, no that'll, doubt she's about She's going to win now. That, that, that basically just killed Max Rose because I think Max Rose was starting to feel pretty good about uh, the second time around. He's dead now. That's, he, he can't beat her yeah. unless they basically cheat. So 
He did. Between between that and the fact that he marched with Black Lives Matter in front of a police department, uh, a police precinct, I should say, uh, that yeah, he he it's sort of uh, it's a, a nail another nail in uh, yeah, he's Max Rose's coffin. Oh, you know, I, I do have to send regards from somebody to you, Bernie. Uh, we get back to the news here. I did bump into talking about politicians and queens in a bagel store on Sunday morning by me, Eric Ulrich. Me and uh, Danielle were getting our morning breakfast. He was really? there with his fiance, very cute girl, by the way. And uh, yeah, Eric Ulrich. You know, the, he, he had, a, he had a, an office at Rockaway on, like, 115. His name was up there. They just took his name down last Thursday to replace it with uh, Ariola's name because she's got that job now. And I guess I guess he's an Eric Adams consultant. Didn't come up in the conversation at the bagel store. But but for what it's worth, even though a lot of people are very upset with Eric and, and uh, how he's kind of turned his back on a party that really loved him, he was very, very nice and uh, really expressed his concern for you, so I have to pass that along. I should have done it Monday. Uh, I'm doing it today. Uh, well, thank you for doing so, and thank you, uh, Eric Ulrich. Uh, he still work for Eric Adams? He, yeah, I mean, I think he's still the, the like a top consultant. Which again, for a guy that was uh, Republican, and you know, you remember him debating uh, Veverito and uh, Jamani Williams and all these morons for the public advocate job, and he was the one guy that made sense. He wanted to keep Rikers Island open. He wanted to not put jails in neighborhoods, and he was great. And, in fact, you and I thought he got a chance to be mayor. We really did. But um, I believe in his in his zest to get that lofty position. He now joins a guy like Eric Adams a couple of months ago. It doesn't look good for a lifelong Republican to do that. But um, I guess you got to do what you got to do, right, Bern? got to do what you got to do. Uh, I would imagine. I yeah. think you might have to. Hey, listen, speaking of doing what you got to do, uh, as I talked with Bill O'Reilly, uh, Hunter Biden, apparently Joe Biden paid Hunter Biden's legal bills to the tune of 800 grand. Now, the Daily Mail reported it, but other people reported it as well, and they say it's on the laptop. So I, I think it's a valid, uh, those are valid sources. I think it actually happened. So in other words, he paid $800,000 of Hunter's legal bills regarding his dealings with China. With China, and you're going to tell me that he didn't discuss anything about it. He just paid. Oh yeah, what what was that amount again, Hunter? Eight hundred grand. Okay, here it is. Here's a check. I paid it, and he didn't discuss it. No, uh, obviously he did. He's been lying. A Hunter will be indicted. Maybe Joe will be indicted as well. We're going to see that happen. So what is Joe Biden doing now? He's running to the left. He's running to these mutts on the left, the Elon Omers, Omars of the world, the Bernie Sanders on student loan forgiveness, which, by the way, will cost you and me $1.6 trillion. $1.6 trillion. I read somewhere that that's $13,000 per household in the United States. $13,000 to pay for these these these, these woke, deadbeat, uh, upper, really mostly upper-middle-class college students. Not all, but either way, if you take out that kind of a loan, and by the way, you major in Afro-Polish uh, gender studies. You're not going to make money to pay off the bills, but you should have known that in the first place. Anyway, uh, cut one and two. Uh, Elon Omar and Bernie Sanders demanding that Joe Biden forgive these loans. Go ahead, Lou. One and two. Our president has taken an oath to represent all of us and to care for the well-being of all of us. And what we are asking and demanding today is for him to follow through <laughs> with the promise of canceling student debt. If we could bail out <clears throat> banks 
that destroyed the economy because of their illegal activity. If we can give Mr. Bezos $10 billion, you know what we can do? We can cancel all student debt in America. Yeah, free stuff. We don't have to work. We don't have to pay our bills. Yay. That's a Democrat way. What about auto loans and mortgages? Are those next? And why not those? Why just student loans? Because they're a bunch of losers, deadbeat students, you know, these uh, these snowflakes who uh, needed their safe spaces a couple of years ago, and now they're out in the real world, and, again, they face reality, and uh, they're just losers. They're just, they're just albatrosses. They're just dead weight. Parasites, essentially, is what they are. Uh, so you have that. You have Joe Biden. You have also the border. Now, inflation is the number one concern of most Americans, according to Paul. Inflation is number one. Number two, believe it or not, the border. That's right, the border. And, of course, uh, yesterday, well, well, why is that? Because people know that in addition to – this was reported uh, earlier in the week. They arrested three child rapists at the border yes. over the weekend. Yes. Three child rapists. How many got away that, that are child oh, rapists, please, child please, molesters? Please. They're coming into this country. This is no joke. But in addition to that, of course, the fentanyl killing tens of thousands of people, tens of thousands of Americans. I mean, way more. it's way more dangerous and damaging to Americans than what's happening in the Ukraine. And so you had this mutt, Mayorkas. Did I use that word mutt twice? <laughs> anyway, uh, cut 20, Lou. This is cut 20. This uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, the first question he was asked, and this was a hearing in the House, in the House Homeland Security Committee, on the border crisis. The first question he was asked, was this, and listen to how he answered it. Go ahead. The homeland threat picture has shifted dramatically from foreign terrorists to domestic terrorists, in particular racially motivated violent extremists who present the most lethal threat to the homeland. What is your current assessment of the domestic terrorism threat to our country? Mr. Chairman, it is our assessment that domestic violent extremism poses the greatest terrorism-related threat uh, to our homeland. I mean, it just makes you want to pull your yeah. hair out. Well, again, really. as, as, I mean, as I told you earlier, the good news is when we win back the House and the Senate in 2022, uh, we will look to not only impeach Joe Biden, we will look to impeach Mayorkas, too. That, is, that has already been out there, stated in many conservative spots. He's on his way out. Well, look, we, we, oh, sure. are, we want him. Oh, yeah, we're going to get him. And, and by the way, you can impeach anybody you want if you have the votes. And it was the Democrats who started this impeachment madness by impeaching Trump what, three times now? Three three stinking times for nothing, for for, for a perfect phone call, uh, you know, with uh, Zelensky, of all people, uh, where Joe Biden says, well, son of a bitch, I, I yeah. threatened them with withholding money, and they did what I said. Well, son of a bitch. That's not corruption. And you know, we played this clip. We played that clip early on, but nobody, it didn't resonate because, uh, well, the corrupt media, uh, the corrupt, Big tech, all these people, yeah. everybody's corrupt. Yeah. It makes me sick to my stomach. By the way, last thing, too, uh, the the economy. For some reason, Joe Biden uh, skates because sometimes the numbers are up, and if they're not up, they blame COVID or Putin. The GDP numbers came out today, and they were bad, very bad. In fact, the economy is shrinking uh, for the first time since the pandemic. So it is worth noting uh, when he does something good, the fake news media reports it over and over again, even though he very rarely, if ever, does something good, that uh, a very bad sign for the economy today, for Joe Biden's economy.
This, folks, is a statistical fact. We are headed for some hard times. We're headed for a recession, essentially. Uh, inflation and low unemployment uh, equals recession. It's, it's, it, economics 101. Uh, anyway, we're headed in that direction, and this guy wants to do nothing but, again, forgive student loans to the tune of $1.7 trillion. You know what that does to inflation? That's, that's spending $1.7 trillion. And, of course, there's, he wants to spend all kinds of other money. It's a disaster, Sydney. so buckle up, strap in. It's going to be a wild ride these next couple of years. But November 2022 is uh, what? What is it, five months away? Let's see. It's April, May, June, July, August, September, October. It's six, six, six seven months for the cavalry to arrive. Keep hope alive on the Bernie and Sitcha. 1-800-848-9222 is the number. We're coming right back. Bernard McGurk. Bernard has been a friend of mine for so long. And Sid, you too. Sid Rosenberg. Not good, great. Bernie and Sid in the morning. I love you guys. I listen to you every morning and walk around the house laughing my butt off. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. English on your beautiful sunny morning here, Thursday morning, New York City. Temperatures today in the 50s, not very warm, but warming up 67 and sunny by Sunday and mid-70s during next week. Summer right around the corner. May comes your way on Sunday. So here we go, folks. Time for nice days here in New York. I need a contestant right now for Beat Bernie. Comes your way at 940, your chance at cool prizes. Brought to you by our dear friend Pete Morgan and the fine folks at Peerless Boilers. 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Your chance to take on the smartest guy in New York, Bernie McGurk, and win some prizes. And don't forget again, coming up later on tonight, 8 o'clock, same time as Tucker Carlson, I know, the NFL draft. And both local teams pick twice in the first 10 picks. Picks to the Jets at numbers 4 and 10. And for my team, the football Giants at numbers 5 and 7. But right now, Bernie, I need to have a serious discussion with you. And it's about uh, my son, Gabriel, who I know you love dearly. You love Gaby? Absolutely. Uh, I I remember referring to him as a cherub uh, (laughs) a couple of years ago. But he's now grown up. He is. He's he's, he's grown up. His voice is as deep as Barry White's. I mean, he's... he's, (laughs) He's a, he's a man, for God's sake. Cherub doesn't yeah. apply any longer. Yeah, he's kind of like a boy man. He's got facial hair and all that stuff, but he's still a little boy. He's 13 years old, just bought Midford back in November. And you know, Bernie, all the trials and tribulations he's been through, uh, the DOE, the nonsense with Peck Slip, all the things that Danielle and I went through with uh, horror shows, from principals to teachers, and basically you know I know that Banks uh, is a huge upgrade from Carranza and the rest of those clowns that de Blasio hired. But for the most part, whatever the DOE touches turns to crap. And we have learned that firsthand because I have to tell you, living in Boca Raton, Florida for 16 years, there was never an issue with education for my daughter, Ava, or my son, Gabe. And it's been a mess no matter where we've gone up here in New York. And we've gone to the best public schools, the best private schools, and it's a mess. So now we've got new drama. You ready for this one? 
I'm ready. All right. So we moved where we moved, you know, and uh, but we couldn't take Gabriel out of school. So he still goes to the same school on the Upper West Side, and it's a distance from where we live. So the DOE's job is to make sure my son, your nephew, uh, Uncle Bernie Gabriel, gets to school safely every day. That's their job. So they contract this bus company, which ironically is called Nice Bus. Nice Bus. And NYCE. Yeah, yeah, right. But exactly, NYCE. But people are going to think NICE. And the job is very simple. Get my son and these other kids, some of which suffer from serious disabilities, from their home to school and school to home. Very easy, right, Bernard? Uh, You would think. You would think. But you know where we're going. So I got a text from my beautiful wife, Danielle, about five minutes ago that uh, his bus broke down in Tribeca, which is still a a distance away from the Upper West Side. And if this was the first text I got, I would say, wow, uh, that sucks. I will tell you that in the two weeks, two weeks now, that this bus company's job to get my son from where we live now to the school on the Upper West Side, this is now the fourth time, fourth time in two weeks that the bus has broken down. And let me tell you this, the last time my son and these kids had to sit on that bus for five hours, five hours. Oh, come on, man. You believe this? That, you believe that, this? That is, that is child abuse. It is. It is. That's that's, that's horrendous. And while I'm going to rip nice buses, the fact is the bus driver is a lovely lady. She's She's been put in a horrible position. She's a lovely lady, very helpful to me and Danielle, and she feels equally as bad about this as me and Danielle do. There's nothing she can do about it. But here the DOE once again, once again, dropping the ball. You have to contract a bus company to get the kids to school safely. The bus breaks down four times, four times in two weeks, a five-hour stay, and my son gets to school. He misses his first two periods, his first three periods. He gets anxious. He gets nervous. You know, Bern, if you're a young kid sitting on a bus in Tribeca, nowhere near your school waiting for another bus to come and pick you up, you know how horrible that is? Uh, I can imagine. I, I'm, I'm really... I mean, it makes me sad for Gaby. I mean, it's just, just, it's just awful. I mean, it, it is a long commute, and uh, you know, you're going to have traffic and problems. But four times already, four in times two weeks? in two weeks. And again, the last time he was on that bus for five hours, he was stuck somewhere in Brooklyn, Cypress Hill, or something. I forget where it was. And now today, at least he's in Manhattan, but he's still a, a distance away. So. Uh, the DOE, once again, even with all you know, the they claim it's improved and it's a better guy and blah, blah, blah. Uh, the fact is there are still issues in, in all these schools with my son. And here their one job to contract a bus company to get my kid to school safely. They have failed at it miserably. And now my son is all upset. Then Danielle gets upset. Then I get upset, as any decent parent would. What decent parent wouldn't be upset? And I got to tell you. The kids got to get to school. We got to do our jobs, and this is just an added and added aggravation and added anxiety that we should just we just should not have to experience. So failures, failures to the DOE and this bus company, along with Eric Adams and the rest of the people running this godforsaken city. You don't need this whatsoever. No. So the status right now is he stuck on that bus yeah. now in Chelsea as yeah. we speak. As we speak, he is oh, sitting on Christ that bus sake. in Chelsea, and you know, look, it gets hot in there even on a cool day like today because it's sunny, and again, yeah. he's nervous. He's nervous. He's you know, he's he's, he's sort of go- and, and there's kids on the bus. 
who are actually, who have issues, who have physical issues, and they really can't be on that bus for an extended period of time. Thank God Gabriel is not as bad. So the other parents must be freaking out even more. What if they have to go to the bathroom for God's sake? Yeah, yeah, what if? What oh, if? my God, this yeah. is a nightmare. Yeah. Four times in two weeks, Bernie. Oh, Four please. times. Uh, I tell you what, man, I'm, 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 I'm sorry for you. It's terrible. Yeah. And and it is uh, New York City public school, so I don't have right. much faith. So you know, they're going to correct it. Right, and no one's going to talk about it. Like, we're going to talk about the guy that got shot in the subway today, right? We're going to talk about the people in Brooklyn who spit on our police officers. We're going to talk about uh, all these crime issues and all that stuff. We're going to talk about all of that. But something like this, which is very important, getting our kids to school safely. And then when they get there, by the way, teaching them the right curriculum, not nonsense like BLM instead of the Holocaust. That's a whole other story. That's a whole other segment. But they can't even get that right. I mean, what does this city do right? What? Yeah, good question. Good question. Not much. You know, it's 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 big government. It's public. Uh, you know, it's bureaucracy. It just it never does anything right. Never really, for the most part. Um, which is why it, public school. You're sending your kid to a private school. A lot of money. I mean, he's use he's yep. utilizing the public bus uh, transportation, but you send him to a private school because the schools are failing here in, in New York City. That's why they have charter schools. That's why you have these inner city parents who, who care, who are dying to get their kids out of public school and into charter schools where people are more responsible, they're competent, That's right. That's right. and, and it, it's not anything goes. They wear uniforms. They have the discipline. They're not teaching them a bunch of, you know, a woke, hard uh, nonsense. No, it's as close so, as you can get to a Catholic school or yeshiva, which uh, they happen to do things right, you know, the religious schools. And just to emphasize that point before we get to sports and uh, and the game, when we moved from Brooklyn, because, you know, we first moved back, Bernie, we stayed with my sister Ray Sherry and brother-in-law Albert in Mill Basin because the kids had to finish school in Boca. Then when we got back, we got an apartment, me, Danielle, Ava, and Gabe down by Wall Street, Hanover Square, and Danielle did her due diligence. She's a great mother, just like Carol is, your wife, a great mother. And she went through every school in lower Manhattan, midtown Manhattan, to find the best school for my son. And I did mention the school earlier. I'm not going to do it again. But you know what a nightmare that experience was. That's a four- or five-star school. Everybody loves it. They talk about it like it's uh, the Oxford of lower Manhattan. And it was a disaster on every level. So, again along with the crime and the taxes and the filth and the homeless education, is still a major, major issue in New York City. Oh, I'm sorry to hear this, uh, Sid. i got to tell you, I feel for Gabe right now. Thanks, buddy. And I hope uh, they get him off that bus soon. Uh, listen, Traffic and Sports is coming up next right now. It's time for the 77 WABC Clip of the Day. Listen to One Tough Podcast with Bo Deedle on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Here, Bo talks, uh, let's see, firefighters being true heroes. A lot of people say, oh, firemen don't do much of anything. They work out. Yeah, but when there's a fire, baby, they're the ones that are running in there. So they are truly same heroes as my law enforcement officers that are out there that face off with a guy with a gun. I tell you what, I'd rather face off with a guy with a gun than run into a house with a burning fire. That's true heroism. Cops and firemen, to me, are the same. If we lose a fireman or we lose a cop, there's no lesser hero than our hero cops and our hero firemen. Now, it's time to beat Bernie. It's time to beat Bernie. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters. You think you can beat Bernie? 
Good luck. Right. It's time to beat Bernie. Uh, before we play beat Bernie, how ironic is this? We have this whole discussion, me and uh, Bernard, who's always great with my family and stuff like that. He, and he's genuine and he's authentic and he's he genuinely does care. This whole discussion about Danielle and me and, and Gabriel, Gabriel, of course, being the subject, how he's sitting on a broken-down bus right now for the fourth time in two weeks. And again, I want to point out the driver is a lovely lady who uh, is upset, too. She's like, it's a long route. I feel bad for the kids. I feel bad for myself. So let me make it very clear to the nice bus company, the driver is not the issue here. You guys are in the DOE. But my son, Gabe, calls me and says, Daddy, I'm listening to the show. And I said, did Mommy call you? He said no. He had no idea. We talked about him for the last 15 minutes. So Gaby is listening right now, and he's got this really good friend. I know you love him, Mike Garcia. That's right. There's, he was on your podcast. He's got this really good friend down in Florida. His name is Jacob. He's a cool kid because he loves me. And he's listening, too. So, Lou, I want you to say hello to Gabriel and Jacob. Go ahead. You, you want, do it. want me? Yes, you. Gabriel, Jacob. What's up? Shout out from Lou. Beautiful. Hello. Hey, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's good. But okay. Things are good. Love you. All right. I love change. you. I love change. that. All right. Thank you very much. That's Lou Rapino to uh, Gabriel and Jacob. Uh, today's contestant, his chance to win cash prizes and gifts, thanks to Pete Morgan, is Tom. And he's out of Tom's River. They actually named the uh, the whole town after him. Who knew? Tom, good morning. How are you, pal? <laughs> Hey, Fed. How you doing? I'm good. That's a lovely part of town. I I, um, I would make that trip down to Atlantic City. And uh, that was like the really last nice place before you hit yeah. the uh, the casinos. I mean, I remember getting a flat tire in Little Lake Harbor and going, oh, my God, what a disaster. You know what I'm saying? I know. You're in the, <laughs> you're in the backwoods there. Exactly. <laughs> but Tom's River is lovely this time of year, so enjoy it. Let's get to the game. Here is question number one, Tom, and it reads like this. In 1952, what George Balanchine ballot made its New York City debut and became a Christmas tradition. It's a ballet. It says ballet, but it's a ballet. A Christmas ballet. Yes, the Nutcracker is right. It says ballet. Yeah, I read it as ballet. It does. <laughs> I thought I saw an O. I'm sorry. You I'm, never learned how to read it. Listen to me. I'm, 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 listen, guys, I turned 55 last week. It's all going south. Oh, okay. Oh, right. Don't, don't, don't be confused because okay. I look great. I, I'm telling you, it's all going backwards. A little quicker right. than we had okay. planned. But yeah, I'm, hanging in, I'm going home. <laughs> I'll hang in there. Here's number two. The headquarters of NATO can be found in what Belgian city? I'll give you a hint. No. No, I'll give you a hint. Well, it's too late. You said Zurich. But, um, you know, there was a bombing at the airport in this city many years ago when ISIS was running wild. And uh, Barack Obama didn't even address it. He was too busy uh, doing the wave with Castro's brother. Oh, yeah. And down in Cuba at a baseball game. Right. And, and in fact, a uh, brother and sister combination, twins out of Jersey, died at the airport in Brussels. That's the answer, Brussels. Right, yeah, Brussels, nope. right. Number three, while most people are familiar with the Great Lakes that separate Wisconsin and Michigan from Ontario, Canada, you can also find a set of Great Lakes in what continent? I'll, gi- I'll, give, you, I'll give you a hint. Elon Musk is from there. Africa. He's- yes! Very good. Very good. Africa. It's a good hint. Uh, number four, in 1965, James Brown released a hit song that would eventually win him his first Grammy, titled Papa's Got a Brand New What? 
I know the song. I just can't remember that last word. Pop, it's got a brand new. I got this wrong. I actually. I thought it was shoes. What is with you guys? Jeez. What? Nobody knows this song. Here, Pop has got a brand new. Uh, don't say car. No, I, I don't know. Okay. Answer uh, is Papa got a brand new bag. We should know that, Lou. I think it was ballot. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Mm-hmm. See what you did there? Yeah, yeah. He before, wrote it. I don't know. It was a little before my time, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, way before my time, too. Finally, before taking <laughs> office in 1961, which president who served as a commanding officer of a motor torpedo boat during World War II was the first to receive a Purple Heart? How about that? That's uh, JFK. Yes, that's right. Very good. Oh, you did well. You got uh, three right, which is not bad. We'll get uh, Bernie back. Gabriel is uh, checking in, Lewis, and he said, me and Jacob both heard that. We are both dying in laughter. Thank you, Lou. So, Lou, you just made my son and his uh, little buddy down in, in Florida very happy. So, thank you for that, Lewis. Yeah, have a pleasure. Buddy. Yeah, thank them, you. Of course. All right, let's put uh, this Let gentleman on hold. Now. <laughs> let's get Bernie right. Oh, Jack Manzo checks in. He says, hey, Sid, uh, awesome show as always. I'm sure your electrician is a professional. That's my guy, Joe DiGiacomo, and a good guy. But you could have had the best if you listened to me and moved back to Bergen. Hey, we love Bergen County, me and Danielle. We loved living in Tenafly. We loved it, loved it. But uh, Jersey was not an option because my kid has to go to school in one of the five boroughs. It's a long story. Uh, Bernie knows it. I'm not going to get into it here on the air, but it does go back to the DOE and all this nonsense. So, long story short, Jersey was no longer an option, but we do love Bergen County. And we love Bernie. Bernie, you're back. You need four to win today, okay, pal? I'm right here, said Rosenberg. All right, Bernie. In 1952, what George Balanchine Ballet made its New York City debut and became a Christmas tradition? That would be the ball breaker. I mean, the nutcracker. Oh! That's right. That's, okay. That's what Luke calls MJ. Uh, number two. <laughs> no! Oh, let me write that down. Oh, you're funny. dead. You are dead. Yeah. I'm going to see you at the produce section at Stop and Shop, and she's going to yell at me for that. And I'm going to hit you with a salami. <laughs> the headquarters of NATO can be found, Bernard, in what Belgian city? That would be, uh, let's see, Paris. No, it's Brussels. Yes. Uh, listen, you know why Paris is, a, is actually a really smart answer is because when ISIS was running wild in Paris, there were uh, a bunch of attacks in Brussels as well, and many of those ISIS people lived in Brussels who committed those Paris attacks. That's actually a brilliant answer. Yeah, but except the Paris is in France. Right, of course. Uh, number three, so, well, so most... a brilliant answer. Well, no, it is. <laughs> if you look at the ISIS connection, it actually is because a lot of the people that committed those heinous crimes in France were from Brussels. Got it. Okay. I feel you, my brother. I feel you. While most people are familiar with the Great Lakes that separate Wisconsin and Michigan from Ontario, Canada, you can also find a set of Great Lakes, Bernard, in what continent? And if you want, I'll give you the same clue I gave the contestant. Four for four. It's uh, the guy in the news mostly today, Elon Musk, is from this continent. Well, of course, it would be uh, Africa. Yes! Look at you. Uh, Bernie, from town town. He's three for three. If you get one of these next two right, you uh, win again today, champ. In 1965, James Brown released a hit song that would eventually win him his first Grammy, titled Papa's Got a Brand New What? Bag. Papa's got How'd a brand you know new that? Bag, y'all. You knew, uh, can you sing that? Because I don't know. Can you sing it, Bern? Uh, Papa's um, got a brand new bag. Um, <laughs> are you kidding? I didn't know. I yeah, never heard a, of it. It's a 
So we'll, uh, we'll play by the way, when he was uh, when James Brown passed away, yeah, he they didn't bury him for months because the family was squabbling over money. They were like, we have a, we, he, we should be in possession of the body, blah blah yeah. blah. Yeah. So the joke that I came up with back then, with the brilliant joke, was Papa got a brand new body bag. See what he did? That's it. That is brilliant, by the way. Good song too. Not really. There was Good a song, sing, There was yeah. a song about uh, Jill Biden, and it went, "Mama's got a brand new penis." Hello. Yeah. Oh my Whoa. God. That is... Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Thank you very much. The story Bernie uh, played audio from earlier. That was when, just... when Jill was cheating on. Uh, now we all can uh, laugh yeah, and appreciate it. Super 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 like a super extreme version of the joke. <laughs> <laughs> but brilliant, nevertheless. Fair, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Here's oh. our number five and your chance to go perfect, Bernard. See how he got like, Bernie's news. I got it. Uh, before taking office in 1961, which president? who served as a commanding officer of a motor torpedo boat during World War II. Kennedy took office. Yeah, yeah, go. Did you, you, know, he was, did you, know, but did you know he was the first president to get a Purple Heart? Well, of course, the PT-109 thing uh, down in the the, uh, the Coral Sea, right. which, by the way, he, he, he was at fault. He got people killed because he was uh, incompetent with this PT-109, but then... He distinguished himself by saving people afterward, uh, John Kennedy. So, yeah, of course he got the Purple Heart. He got he was injured and then washed up on an island for days. But uh, the, the whole saga of the PT-109 is a very interesting one. Man, that is great. Anyway, that's John, John F. Kennedy. Wow. Good job, Bernie. Bring Perfect bell. again Woof. today. Man, on you fire. Stuff. Bernie wins by a final score of 5-3. to three. The contestant, Tom, out of Tom's River, is a very nice guy. So, Bernie, say hello. How you doing, hey, Tom? Hey, Bernie. How you doing? I could you be worse. Best, man. I love you guys. Well, thank you. Appreciate you're like, that. Uh, you're like two brothers I never met. You know, you're great. I love you guys. Oh, uh, you're very I can't kind wait to, to say. Hear, uh, I can't wait to hear the day you come on the air and say you're you're all done. Remission all done. It's going to happen. Very kind of you. Yeah, that, that's going to come soon, you, sooner than later, hopefully, uh, Tom. Thank yes. you. Hey, did you vote for Jack Cittarelli? I did. Of course you did. I of did. Of course. A shame yeah. that he lost by, uh, you know, a hair, basically. But, uh, yeah. well, there's uh, three and a half years from now. Uh, there's yeah, that. I'm, I'm just uh, afraid they're going to cheat on the mid, you know, the midterms and we get. Uh, yeah, we, we got to you know? be diligent. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, we get, yeah. we're going to. We're gonna, it's not going to happen again because there's too many smart people watching this time around. I think, I hope, I pray. Yeah. Anyway, Tom, listen, yeah. thank you for your kind words. Thanks for listening. Yeah, Thanks you, for playing. And uh, we'll yeah, do it I again. Love you guys, man. I love you again. I, I can't say it enough, man. You guys are the best. Uh, we love you too. Thank you, man. Thanks, Thanks man. Very I appreciate nice. it. It's a great game today, Bernie. You were brilliant again. And and uh, we're going to wrap up what's been a tremendous show again, from Bill O'Reilly to Jason Whitlock to tremendous commentary by Rudy Giuliani, and of course the best opinions in New York from both Bernard McGurk and Sid Rosenberg. One eight hundred eight four eight WABC. One eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. We say goodbye on a Thursday right after this. <laughs> Beat Barney, sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. Bernie and Sid in the Morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Oh, here it is. Yeah, here it is. Hey, uh, Luke, did you find out for me what time Inside Edition is on? Uh, Deborah Norville comes on the show all the time. She loves me and Bernie. And, of course, we um, we were rooted for her and the Georgia Bulldogs to beat uh, Alabama. And she did get the win. 
What time is it on? Here in New York? If you were listening, you would have heard me say I don't 7 o'clock. I know. What time? 7 o'clock. See, again? What, what channel, I ask you? CBS. No you, no, you asked me what time. I asked you what time and channel. You did not. I surely did. Stop lying. No, I surely did. Now, what channel is it on? I Stop t- calling him Shirley. That's a great point. <laughs> CBS, 7 o'clock. <laughs> wow. All right, CBS, 7 o'clock. Check it out. I'll be on TV later on tonight. I'm wearing a pink button-down shirt from Geneva. And a beautiful blue blazer. And I've been complimented ten times this morning on my pocket square. So uh, you're going to see me talking about the Mets and why the Mets, of all teams, their players get hit by baseballs more than anybody. I don't have an answer, but I'll be an inside edition coming up at 7 o'clock tonight. Uh, Make up something colorful. Like what? Give me an idea. I don't know. uh, Anti-Asian hate. I like that. Just just go with it. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Or anti-Semitism. It's on a rise. Uh, there's no yeah, Jews look, on the Mets, Steve, but the, Steve, Steve Cohen's Cohen Jewish. That's right. There you go. There it is. Just make something up. That's, uh, you know what, Bernie? I kind of like that. I have statistics to back it up. Anti-Semitism it, is. They it, found out Peter Alonso can't ride a bike. <laughs> they hate crimes. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> give you five dollars if you do it. You would five dollars? Yeah. No. Okay, let me low, think. We'll low chip it. Let me think about that. What do you think? Uh, Justin, uh, you're going to watch the NFL draft tonight? Yeah, I'll watch. Uh, yeah, problem. Yeah. When did the Eagles, your team, the Eagles draft? Uh, they got 15. Oh, their first pick. Okay. And uh, Jalen Hurts is still going to be the quarterback, right? Yeah, unless they want to trade up and make a surprise trade up to, you know, a top five pick to get a, a big time QB, but I highly right. doubt that would happen. Okay, very good. And, uh, Lograno, you're a, are you a Jet fan or a Giant fan? I am a Jet fan. Yes. All right, so you, you've got two picks of the top 10 tonight. It's a big deal. Sure do. Yeah. Oh, okay. Who do you want? Anybody in particular? I'd love Sauce Gardner at four, and I'd love uh, Jamison Williams from Alabama at ten. No. Bernie, you care? <laughs> I think it's a, a, <laughs> a endeavor for losers. <laughs> I mean, geez, you can pick up the paper and find out tomorrow morning who, who you know, the Jets or the Giants got. Let, let me, Instead of wasting two right, hours the, watching. The, 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 the now you pick up the paper tomorrow. Buddy, your phone, my phone buzzes every time exactly. they make a pick. I have to tell you, it's times like this, and I'll watch a little bit tonight. But it's times like this I'm thrilled I'm out of sports. Because I would go on, you know this, Bernie, weeks and weeks with Beningo, with Jody Mack, and, and, and all these kids in college, and, and uh, what position they played, how they can help the NFL. It is the, it is the biggest joke and waste <laughs> of time. Yep. I mean, talk to me in three years when the guy has a good season or a bad one, and that's it. You know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, what about the last few years? What did it do for the Giants or the Jets? Nothing. Yeah, nothing. nothing. Hey, great show today, man. That was fun, right, B? A lot of fun, Sydney. Great show with just Jason Whitlock, Bill O'Reilly, you and me. Terrific. And Lou Rafino. That's right. And uh, we'll do it again tomorrow, my man. So enjoy your Thursday afternoon. Lou, talking about Lou Rafino. Great job as always today. Luke Legrano, Justin Ellick, Frankie, and Deb. Folks, enjoy your sunny Thursday in New York City. We'll talk to you again tomorrow morning at 6. Watch me tonight on CBS at 7. From all of us to all of you, peace. Peace. accident. Trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you, but don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident.